Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Good morning, everyone. And our readers are still popping up on my phone list. We got six now. I think, let's see who we're missing. We're only missing one person so far. Oh, here we go. Actually, we have someone really special on the line right now. And so I'm just going to type in a couple things here. Don't mind me. I'm producing the show as well. So it gets, uh, it gets a little crazy here. So just to let you know who we've got, let me see. We've got uh, Jerome Bell. Uh, he's here. Wendy Arthur is here. Katie Caven is here. Jessica Rivera is here. Brianna Cannon is here. And I want to just start the show. Uh, we're going to be improvising and going crazy as we usually do. Someone who's brand new to Action Radio and who I first saw on um, – I think it was One American News about maybe two weeks ago, and that's G. Van Fleet. And I hope I pronounced your name right. But uh, this is somebody who survived uh, Mao's cultural revolution as a child, came to the United States, and someone I hope to talk to a whole bunch on the show. So I just want to welcome her first to the show. And uh, if you want to kind of, you're going to listen in for a little while, see what's going on. Um, I think I said, you know, if you want to just kind of casually listen in. Um, but first, I just wanted to welcome you and, and thank you very much for coming on the show, first of all. So if you, anything initially you want to say, please feel free and then we'll get to, to our reading. But uh, it's great to have you. Good morning. Hello, oh, Good G? morning. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, Don't worry. Yeah, 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 I, look, I, you, I wasn't did sure I surprise you? Yes, yes, yes. I'm okay. waiting, waiting for the waiting, reading. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Okay. So I just want to greet you, first of all, because I'm really glad to have you thank here. So you. I'm going to introduce oh, you. Let me introduce our folks uh, as they called in. And so let's bring live uh, Jerome Bell. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm having a great time. Uh, let's get Wendy Arthur here. Make sure everybody's live. Wendy, good morning. Good morning. There we go. I feel like a game show. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Greg. And all. all. Right. There we go. And Jessica Rivera, good morning, out in California. Good. Good morning, everybody. We woke you up early. <laughs> but first of all, thanks yes. for coming on the show. And and of the person course. who regularly oh I'm sorry. And the person who regularly uh has this time slot, uh Brianna Cannon. Good morning, Brianna. Good morning. Happy Fourth of July, everyone. There we go. Brianna is our superstar reporter who uh, does the government inquiry report at this time. So let me give you a little background. I'm going to play some fife and drum music. And then what we're going to do is I'm just going to call on folks uh, in the order that you have. And uh, sometimes I stray a little bit from the format I try and arrange because improvising is just much more fun. Um, but this is a serious day. And, but we're still going to have our lighter moments. We're still going to be able to talk. And so we'll go through the uh, declaration. And then I'll take a, a quick break for the stars and then we'll come back and go through the panel again for, for commentary on the state of our liberty. And then probably take another little quick uh, musical break for America the Beautiful. And then it's a free-for-all. And anything you want to say, introduce yourselves, tell more of your story. Uh, that's probably when uh, G. Van Fleet will kind of join in the, the conversation. Uh, and that's how it's going to go. Like I say, we're really informal here. Um, this is a place where you can say pretty much anything you want. This is the ultimate free speech zone. Oh. Yeah, question? Was that you, she? All right. No. So, okay. So just just a little housekeeping here. If anybody has any background noise, I'm gonna, I've decided I'm going to leave all your lines live because it'll be easier that way. Someone won't forget to unmute. But if you do have some background noise or something's going on, just mute your phone. 
And then when it's your turn to read, make sure you, you, you unmuted it. Otherwise, we'll all, you know, collectively say, where are you? Anyway, um, I got some information on the declaration from history.com and the National Archives, and I've kind of compiled them together because nobody seems to have a, a complete story on this. So what I've derived is it says the Declaration of Independence was our first formal statement by our nation asserting our right to choose our own government. In the early 1770s, more and more colonists became convinced that Parliament intended to take away um, our freedom. In fact, uh, the Americans, uh, early Americans, our, our colonists saw a pattern of increasing oppression and corruption happening all around the world. That is interesting. That I didn't know. And that's something I think we should talk about. Anyway, it says Parliament was determined to bring its unruly American subjects to heel. Britain began to prepare for war in early 1775. When armed conflict between bands of American colonists and British soldiers began on April 19, 1775, known as the shot heard around the world, Americans were ostensibly fighting only for their rights as subjects of the British crown. By the following summer, the movement for independence from Britain had grown, and delegates of the Continental Congress were faced with a vote on the issue. On June 7, 1776, Richard Henry Lee introduced a resolution that these united colonies are, and of right, ought to be free and independent states. In mid-June, a five-man committee, including Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and Benjamin Franklin, were tasked with drafting a formal statement of the colony's intentions. The Congress formally adopted the Declaration of Independence, written largely by Jefferson, in Philadelphia on July 4th, a date now celebrated as the birth of American independence. Just to let folks know, too, we've got Marco, who's our, our most regular live chat person, uh, who checks in from the Netherlands, uh, where they don't have a holiday today. But, uh, Marco, feel free to comment on the state of your liberty in the Netherlands and also uh, on what you, uh, any perception of what's happening in this country, uh, which is pretty devastating um, at this time. All right, so let me get some uh, music to get us all in the mood to read. Yeah, scroll right down here. I'll be back in a minute, and then uh, the first person I'll be calling on to read the Declaration of Independence uh, is Wendy. Be right back. your patriotic fervor and just to let folks know in the audience i've asked everybody to give like a quick one sentence a description of themselves what they're doing you know on the show anything like that uh, and we're going to save all the more complex stories uh, for our commentary period after we read the declaration so let's get started wendy good morning my name is wendy arthur and i'm the reporter for the oh my god report is christianity with a cake in congress July 4, 1776. 
the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another and to assume among powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and the nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Katie? Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces, excuse me, a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for the future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having indirect object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance in their operation till his assent should be obtained, and when so suspended, he is utterly neglected to attend to them. Okay, we do have one of our folks missing, so uh, we have two new people, um, or I haven't been on the show for a while. We've got um, Jerome Bell and uh, Jessica Rivera. Um, in fact, we have two people. Yeah, so let's, let's go. Uh, Jerome, do you want to read the next section? And just skip up to where uh, Catherine's position is. And if you want to uh, join us, and then I'll have Jessica yeah. uh, ask her for the next section because Jonathan's not here either. So, Jerome, do you want to take the next section? Sure. I need to do regular uh, sections I'm too. Catherine. What's that okay, now? Okay, so I'm reading for Catherine. I'm reading for You're Catherine. Reading for Catherine. Correct? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So but hopefully she'll join okay. us later. Right. But uh, for right now, um, please, please go ahead. And then Jessica will ask you to read the next section because uh, Jonathan's not here either. And you'll still read your own section so you get more. Um, more reading in here. Jerome, if you want to introduce yourself with a sentence and then begin. Uh, Jerome Bell, I am the host of the Radical Republicans Live show. 
He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has, discovered, he has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with, mainly, with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise. The state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states. For that purpose, obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing to assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. Thank you. And Jessica Rivera, if you'd like to introduce yourself with a sentence and take Jonathan's uh, part. Good morning. My name is Jessica Rivera, and I am a political correspondent for Right Side Broadcasting. So he has made judges dependent Uh, dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace, standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world for imposing taxes on us without our consent. And we're going to do the same thing again, Jerome, and then uh, Jessica. Jerome? For depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies. For taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments. For suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us, in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravished our coast, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. 
He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. And again, Jessica, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. No, that's fine. He has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury, a prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow their usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They, too, have been deaf to the voice of justice and a consanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends. And I want to thank both of you because those were extra parts you weren't anticipating reading the first two. And so thank you for that. And uh, Brianna, your turn. And then uh, you've got the anchor position, the, the paragraph everybody knows. All Brianna? Right. Um, I am Brianna Cannon, and I do government inquiry on Action Radio. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America and General Congress, assembled appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states they have the full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with the firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Yeah, I think as I thought about that, the first paragraph and the last are the ones we all remember. But the middle ones are the actual list of grievances, and that's, uh, that's quite a list, especially when you consider how many of those are still happening today. All right, we're going to take a break for a couple minutes. We've got the Stars and Stripes forever. And so if you want to mute yourself, make some noise. Wendy's going to rush out and grab another cup of coffee and be right back. Sorry, Wendy. 
I'm just having too much fun here today. Um, and then let's, uh, that was a great reading. And let me just find my, my music here and take a quick, here it is. And we'll be right back in about three and a half minutes.
I don't mean to laugh. I just got a comment from Mark. He says, it sounds like I'm in an Andre Ryu concert. I'm not even sure who that is. Um, but uh, that's the Stars and Stripes Forever, written by John Philip Sousa, inventor of the Sousa phone, which I was privileged to play all the way from junior high through college. And I know every note on that song. I, I'm still hearing it in my head. I could probably play it. Um, not quite as well as I could back in college, but it's just fascinating that uh, these things stick with you. And every time I hear the Stars and Stripes, it's like, yeah, I'm back in my sousaphone. I'm playing away and feeling wonderful about it. It's now and, and you're pretty much free to say what you want, uh, state of our liberty, um, the, the effect it has reading the actual declaration, which very few people do. Um, all the other broadcasters, except Jessica, who was nice enough to join us for a while, she had to leave right away, so she has le- uh, left the show. Um, but uh, they, they're not even working today. They're, they're off barbecuing and buying used cars, whatever else they're doing. But they're not broadcasting, and we are. And so I want to thank you for, for giving up your time on this day to, to uh, celebrate uh, the Declaration of Independence and try and get our independence back, basically. So I'm going to go pretty much in the order we had before. We've got a couple of folks most missing, and we do have one extra person here, Xi uh, Van Fleet, who's been nice enough to join us. And this is her first time uh, on Action Radio. So Xi, like, again, once I get through my commentary, if you want to say something, feel free. Looks like Pianchi's just joining the live chat. Hopefully he'll call in soon. And also I've asked uh, uh, Josie as well to call in and a couple of other folks. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, Wendy, um, do you have a statement for, for uh, how this gets you on this, this amazing day? Yes. Um, I love the part in our Constitution that says that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. Um, because there are things that man cannot dictate. God himself set things in order, and it cannot be changed. And even though man has tried desperately to take over the position of God um, and tell us what we can and cannot do, um, mm-hmm. it, that only works if we agree to that. And it's, we do not have to agree to it. We do not. Um, I reposted something that you had posted um, where it showed the, you know, the, illustration of everybody being made to bow, you know, yeah, um, and the then one that. person that's, stood up. That's pretty key. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's very, yeah. Very key. And it just takes one. Mm-hmm. So seriously, you know, we have got to understand that God himself gave us um, our rights and we cannot let somebody else take them. We have been doing it for for a couple hundred years now, of letting the government take over and take our freedoms away. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we it fought so hard to get them, it's time for us to do the same now because we do have a tyrannical government. It is totally out of control. We have the right to disassemble it and start over. Yeah. Yeah, Jonathan just joined us. I'll get to him in a little bit. Um Katie, you're pretty new to Action Radio yourself. So uh, how does uh, how is this for? I think it's your first time on the show, uh, though we certainly done some you know behind the scenes work on, on projects and things like that. Um, what do you think? Uh, good morning. Well, um, I think you know I'm just still processing what Wendy has said about endowed. God has given us all gifts and and rights, and we are all created equally um in you know each and in our each and own way and i feel like that um that actually also rings very important for me because i feel like we lose you know ourselves in in the world in this carnal environment and i feel like in today's society um 
as I as I'm growing, you know, older and I'm starting to connect more dots and I'm starting to see, you know, how things function and operate in our society. Um, I guess, you know, I look at money isn't the the uh, the tool or money isn't the goal here that like our freedoms are really the goal and that we have to, you know, stay strong under God and just follow him and, and make sure that we are true to ourselves. And I, you know, I feel like we can conquer anything. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like our world is definitely very carnal and I think that we all have the power to overturn that ourselves. And, you know, I mean, I guess it's still morning. I'm like waiting on my cup of coffee here. So I don't know really what else to say. At this <laughs> that's point, okay. But, no, that's fine. Uh, no, you do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. yeah. Thanks. Well, just, Oh, sure. I just follow up on Wendy said, too, that what makes um, our country so special is the first time the founders of any country didn't put themselves first as the ultimate power. You look at any of the monarchies, dictatorships, tyrannies, uh, even democracies, you know, they always put the government on top and everything flows from the government um, to the people. And this is the first time uh, God was put first and that our rights come from God. And there's a firewall. Um, between uh, government and us, and that is God, that is the Constitution, that is the Bill of Rights. And this has never happened before, and this is why what's happening now is so dangerous. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll call on Jean a little bit, see if she has a comment. But let's go next to uh, Jerome Bell. Now, let's hear a little bit about your story, because your story is quite interesting, from, from Navy chief to uh, someone who uh, ran for Congress on our legislation. By the way, Jerome's the first person that actually ran on our citizen legislation as part of his campaign for Congress. Um, and someone who served this country for decades. I'd be very curious uh, your impressions from reading the declaration uh, and what you think, what's going on now. Sir? Hey, thank you and good morning to everyone uh, this morning. It was truly a, a great reading. You know, when I go back, you know, and read this and, and look at this and seeing what's happening here in the United States with the parties, with the uniparty, let's say, right? To me, the Uniparty has become King George because I believe we are in a course of human events when it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another. You know, to me right now, that first paragraph describes our parties. I don't believe either party, the Democrat Party, nor party represents the people any longer and they just represent themselves and represent government and so i i believe that's where we are now that's that that's the most important part to me looking you know and running for congress and seeing and being around you know what people would call the swamp and being around these people and knowing what they stand for and most of them stand for nothing but themselves. They just want power for themselves. They want money for themselves. They understand that um, this is a being in Congress for most of them is a free meal ticket on, on the American people, and they can write bad laws and nothing will happen. They can write unjust laws. Nothing will happen. They write laws for themselves to break the law, which, according to Frederick Bastiat, is a perverted law and should not be instituted um, amongst us. So we are in a state of tyranny, and the Declaration of Independence, like um, I believe what Katie said, that mm -hmm. um, we have the right to abolish it. And we are at the point to where it needs abolishing. Um, I, I, most people don't understand that we truly still have the power because we outnumber them 
And I mean, and and so people have to come to the realization that if they want to be free, in the words of Thomas Jefferson, the tree of liberty must, at time from time to time, be refreshed with the blood of patriots and pirates. And I believe that's where we are. Yeah, a couple of comments real quick. It's interesting that uh, I see the world. I think a lot of people see the world uh, as ballot. Ballots is a, is a primary way to do it. Getting a little bit of background noise from somebody, so you might want to just mute for a second. Um, that it, and if ballots don't work, then we have to go to bullets, you know. And I don't want that. One of the, the biggest reasons I created Action Radio was to give us a third alternative, and that's bills. So in other words, uh, changing the system whereby uh, the, the lobbyists pay for the legislation by buying Congress and then to the president or lack thereof, in this case, to the regulatory agencies to regulate us. Whereas I want to reverse that and have we, the people, write the legislation we consent to be governed by, lobby it through the Congress because of exactly as you said, the superior numbers in our votes, who then you know, go through the president and uh, the regulatory agencies regulate the special interests. So that's where I see us going. Um, I got a question for you, though. The, uh, one, of the, one of my proposed bills you know, floating around in my head is to abolish party membership for any member of Congress, anybody running for Congress. And, of course, the states could do that on the state level as well. Because, as you say, they don't represent the people anymore. They represent their party. It's the party that gives them their chairmanships. It's the party that gives them the money to run on. It's the party that tells them how to vote. So anybody that's in Congress right now is representative of their party and not of the people that put them there. So would you support that bill or maybe even help me write it? What do you think? I would definitely support that bill. Um, okay. You know, because being being one of the people that would definitely uh, go there and should have been there to represent the people, I would definitely represent the people. So absolutely, absolutely, and I agree 100% with that. Okay. Guess what? You're stuck with it. You're going to help me. <laughs> so much. <sighs> Legislating okay, on the air. That's action. I mean, that's, that's action radio. That's what okay, we do. Okay, there you All go. Right. And he, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, and I was just say one comment and let someone else speak. And uh-huh. you know, because you mentioned the the ballot of the bullet, well, you know, that's what Frederick Douglass said. You know, we have uh-huh. the the jury box, we have the the uh, cartridge Ooh. box, and we have the voting box. So, yeah. of course, the cartridge box was last. So, you know, and those are the three boxes that we have. And, yeah, and, we're and now slowly, we've got technology. Um, yeah, yeah. impeding. Yeah, 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 impeding on that third one. So, okay, I'm yeah. to be quiet well, now. Oh, no, no, okay. and, and I, I, don't mind me. I interrupt constantly. I mean, it's, it's probably the biggest flaw I have as, as a talk radio person. Let's bring on Brianna. Brianna's the youngest member of our team here, and uh, you know, I call her our superstar reporter who does the government inquiry report. And if you've missed some of her reports, uh, she's brought to us the, the full extent of Agenda 2030, 15-minute cities. I think we've done climate change stuff. We're going to look into uh, mosquitoes, vaccines, and Bill Gates, and just an amazing amount of information uh, that she has brought to the show. So, and Brianna. And like I say, as someone who is, you know, our youngest member here, how does the declaration affect you having read it? And especially your friends, do your friends talk about this anymore? I mean, how important is it, you know, that we are the exceptional nation, that uh, we are, you know, the country that does not put the government first in terms of power? And just any observations you have. Um, I think the Declaration of Independence kind of displays the ultimate kind of patriotism it means to be an American, you know, to understand that, you know, Mm -hmm. um, God is in charge above all and, you know, what the government is supposed to do. And um, I'm I'm glad that um, 
is that Jerome had mentioned Frederick Bastiat because in all he really explains this. He really explains the dangers, and then he goes at the end into what, um, you know, America and freedom should be and what liberty truly is. And I think the Declaration of Independence kind of shows that too, you know, what's being done wrong and what they deserve. And our founders, if we look at America now and we see all these problems, and what it is is everything that our founders had feared. And that's the whole reason that they wrote our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence was to give us a different way, something that was the exception to the rest of the world. And now we've gone so far to where we're becoming more and more like the other countries of the world because we've strayed so far from this. Um, but I feel like it might be good to read a couple of quotes like this, and it actually goes along with what Wendy was saying as well. Mm-hmm. There's one by Patrick Henry, and it says, This great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then there is one by um, Thomas Jefferson, and it says, What country can preserve its liberties if its rulers are not warned from time to time that their people preserve the spirit of resistance and let them take arms? And I think that's a big thing that... You know, we're lacking on a wide scale, but we do have a lot of people that are kind of willing to um, have that patriotic spirit and call out what's wrong and that want change, kind of like these patriots did so long ago. And there was a lot of loyalists back then, and there Mm -hmm. was a lot of people who were kind of in the middle, who didn't care either way. But they had these amazing people going out and changing their minds and getting them to fight. And I think that's really important, and that's exactly what's going on right now. I think we're kind of seeing this rerun of this um, want for liberty and this restoration of this declaration that they were making like over 200 years ago. Yeah. Well said. Uh, And I I feel like it's my job of my generation to make sure that your generation doesn't have to live under tyranny uh, like so much of the rest of the world. And so we have our work to do to leave you something where you can live free. And so uh, we're going to be talking a lot uh, over the years to, to make this all happen, uh, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, G. Van Fleet, did you want to join us at this time and make a comment at all? Introduce yourself? Uh, yes. So I, I'm unmuted, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're I unmuted. Think, you're doing this, fine. Yep. This is such a special way for me to celebrate 4th of July with a group of patrons like you. This is just so special. And I'm just so, so, so moved. I watch all what you said, and Fourth of July become more and more special for me because it is the day when I think about why I tried so desperately to come to this country 37 years ago. I come here for freedom and for American dreams, and all this is built on this. So, so, so important document, the most important document in human history, which tells us that we have rights, and our rights is not from a king, an emperor, a politician, or government. It's from God. And unfortunately, this is still an alien concept for many, many people, including most of the people in China, because to them, and including me, when I grew up in Mouth, China, we don't have rights, and whatever rights is from the government. And so I, I just, I just so disheartened to see that this is not being taught to our children here in America. 
they were taught to hate this country. Uh, and they are taught that this country is a racist country. It should be condemned. And so coming to this country 37 years ago, I absolutely love, love this country. I'm grateful every day what this country afforded me, liberty and my American dream. And unfortunately, I thought when I left China, I left the, um, communism behind me. No, it's here. It's here and it's taking root. And the bankrupted um, communist ideology now become mainstream. And, uh, and the people, young people, they worship the state. They believe that the state should be the one to take whatever wealth from one group and give to the other, to take one, the dream from one group of people with merit to give it to people with identity. And this is everything else I see, cancel culture and identity politics. That's exactly what I experienced in Cultural Revolution. That's exactly why I escaped China and come to this free country. So on this special day, I really um, reflect why I come here and reflect that our freedom, our American dream are slipping away. And then deter- make, you know, make me more determined that I should fight for it, fight for it so that for the future generations, they will have the freedom, they will have American dream. You know, it's such a pleasure to uh, have this group here today. Uh, to be able to listen to you all. And some of you I've known for a long time, and some I'm meeting for the first time, uh, like she. Uh, and it's just, I hope I pronounce, if I don't pronounce your name right, please let me know. Don't worry, uh, I, just, I'm not, uh, I can easily be corrected here. All right, let's bring Jonathan in the conversation. He's been listening for a while. Jonathan does uh, uh, our legal reports. And Jonathan, you want to give a quick background for you and then uh, uh, maybe some of the January 6th work that you've been able to do, uh, and then uh, your reflections on the Declaration of Independence. Well, there's, of course, is always a lot to talk about. Um, I have Why to don't ask easy questions? <laughs> you know, I don't <laughs> know that question. <laughs> we're back. We're here in Washington, D.C. Um, I flew up to um, to be uh, to, to help yesterday with a bail revocation hearing where they tried to throw somebody in jail for um, getting in a car accident and having a, a medical marijuana card, which I'm not is not really my issue, but it's not their issue either. It's none of their business. And um, so I have, you know, here on TV in Washington, in the nation's capital, there's news coverage of July 4th being hot dogs. You know, what, what topping should you put on hot dogs or not? Um, there's absolutely, of course, no awareness of what the holiday is about, what we're about, what, you know, what, what this country is about. And they, they don't, you know, they don't want to... Um, <clears throat> Anyone, it's like um, if they let people into the Capitol, they'd be reminded of the Declaration of Independence sitting there. So I think it's, it is a, um, um, a tremendously important uh, educational project. You know, if you if you take away, you know, we we said often on the show that you know the uh, George Orwell wrote 1984 as a warning, and and the leftists of both parties took it as a how-to manual, yep. and if you if you rob people of their history, um, they don't know their rights, they don't know who they are, they don't know what to watch out for, and that is 
that is scary that <clears throat> that um you know the 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 most the worst paper in the country, the Washington Post, has a slogan atop um it says democracy dies in darkness, which of course means that democracy dies at the Washington Post. Um <laughs> but um because all, all we've got is, is darkness and ignorance and, and people need to know who they are. So um I'm I'm sorry I <clears throat> got distracted with um, some things about a client. Earlier, that's okay. You got work to do. Reason, you know, believe me, uh, we always have everything covered yeah. here. So I, I just appreciate having you on. So uh, and I appreciate we, the work that you do. We need a lot more support. And again, this is the my greatest concern as a as a Christian. I feel you know I know a lot of people call to a particular country and things like that. And strangely, I feel called to try to bring reformation in in the political realm. And um, you know, I worry most about whether or not there are enough Americans, you know, like like the the, the um, lot in Abraham and the city of Sodom. Is that if there's 50 good people, is will you save the city? If there are 40 and 30, and basically God couldn't find 10 uh, in the end who were you know who were good enough to save the city. And I I worry about whether there are, are enough of us um, for God to um, give us, you know, one more chance. Um, and uh, so I sure wish a lot of people would step up and, and uh, you know, everybody. You know, one of the things that our country culturally was built upon, and I saw this when I was over in the former Soviet Union and after the, you know, as a Christian, as a missionary, and, you know, that all these sayings in our culture came back to me as they weren't, you know, I realized they, they don't follow them. Like things like a stitch in time saves nine rather than just waiting until everything falls apart. And, um, <clears throat> you know, many, many hands make light work is one of the ideas that, you know, that we were built upon. So I'm not, I'm not asking for people who have worked very hard to work even harder. I'd like to see everybody do a little. And I'm not sure I, I see that with, with our country today. Um, but anyway, so I think it's interesting in the Declaration of Independence how um, they go into some very, you know, the very specific examples and how <clears throat> when we look back and realize that this is, well, the Declaration, uh, let me back up here. The Declaration of Independence, of course, was in some sense a declaration of war, um, at, least, hmm. at least a declaration of, you know, you don't have to fight up. I mean, if you leave us alone, we'll leave you alone. But if you if you come fight us, we're gonna you know we're gonna fight back. Um, and some of the examples given there today seem you know routine things like uh, he that he does not allow legislation to be passed, which is necessary for um, for our well being. You know he's he sent um, armies of of. Uh, of um, <clears throat> bureaucrats here to, to what they call minister ministers um, mm-hmm. to harass us. Um, all all of these things that are the specific examples. Of course, is an interesting thing that that the Declaration of Independence gives examples. Um, mm-hmm. But but some of the examples would be like, you know, just an average day of being abused as an American citizen. Um, you know, he has refused to assent his assent to laws the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance 
unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he is utterly neglected to attend to them. I mean, the, the only thing we, we've seen that the federal government is good at is caring about itself. Um, <clears throat> like the, you know, the whole January 6th movement, I mean, the vast majority of people were just there kind of like watching. Um, but of those who, who did more, um, you know, it's like there were people who were demanding change. And, you know, against that, the federal government can move fast and harshly. But to do anything that would help the people, they, they just never get around to it. And um, they make this fake, these phony gestures. It's like Steve Bannon calls it failure theater among the Republicans. Like we put in this big theater, and then at the end it's a failure, and it's like, like oh, well, we tried. And like, no, you didn't. You just, you just tried to fool everybody. Um, <clears throat> so he has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the, in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and, and formidable to tyrants only. And I assume you've, you've read all this on the air, mm-hmm. but I just want to draw attention to the fact that these are, these are things that we endure regularly mm-hmm. here in the country now. Um, <clears throat> and, um, you know, so we have, um, you know, we have the form of, of um of a representative republic but but certainly not the reality and yes, the, the, the tolerance the tolerance of treason the tolerance of of tyranny uh something i want to talk about when we sort of do our free-for-all but um quite amazing well like 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 and you know and 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 uh the lady the lady talked about leaving communism in china in china and of course mm-hmm. we We've mentioned, you know, I, I keep trying to help clarify <clears throat> that we have, you know, we, we think from the movies that communism is just people who wear Russian fur hats or maybe Chinese, you know, outfits. Mm-hmm. And we forget that, that communism came from Austria and Germany. It's, 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 it's a, it's a um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a philosophy. It's not limited to any particular country or any particular ethnic group, and it can arise anywhere. You know, it, start, it came from the faculty lounges of, of, of Europe. You know, it's, communism is very European. So and it's freedom, because it's freedom came from Britain, from, from England. The, you know, our founders are mostly British. Isn't it fascinating that uh, right. of all the places in the world, from Confucianism to uh, all the traditions of all the different religions of all the different places in the world, and the two dominant political philosophies, communism and freedom, both came from Europe. I just find that interesting. Right. Well, and, and my parents uh, wrote a book on the pilgrims by going hmm. back and tracing their history before they got on the ship. They went back to, to you know, who they were and what happened in, in England and then in, in, in Nether- the Netherlands and things. And, and they were surprised to find that the, among the English people, they viewed the American Revolution and the Pilgrims as ultimately saving them. You know, they, they weren't bitter or negative. They saw that you know, the growth of freedom in the, in the colonies and the New World ultimately, you know, um, brought it, you know, ultimately changed England as well as uh, the new, you know, North America. And they, they saw the, the cause of liberty and the, um, as 
as, as giving them their freedom. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing when Wendy was talking about that, uh, that cartoon that uh, uh, I posted before. It's where you have everybody standing tall and then the, the one person gets out the whip and everybody bows down except one person who stands up and then a few people stand up and then everybody stands up and the person with the whip bows down. Um, and the comments on that were, you know, and they called it stage four, you know, when, uh, when the person with the whip bows down and they're all like, oh, please help us get to this stage. And, you know, I pray for this and that's nice. But I'm thinking, well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know, we're, we're a place where people do things. And one of the biggest problems is people are like, oh, I really want to be free. I want this. I want that. But they're not willing to do anything. And freedom is a participation activity. You can't just sit back and, and wish for it and want it and praying wonderful. I mean, I agree. But turn your prayers into actions. Uh, otherwise, Absolutely. you know, God's sort of looking well, at you I, going, what, what are you going to do now? You know, and, and that's how I feel I about can, it. Sure. Then so we'll go free for all in a minute. Yeah. Stretch two, two other things. Sure. Is, is one is that, um, you know, I've been, I've been doing uh, conservative activism since 1984 and, you know, watching my mother and others doing it when I was just, you know, old enough just to watch, not really doing it. <clears throat> so um, it seems like we are forever caught in this idea that's saying, you know, there, we have to, well, most people will just watch sports and be apathetic and everything like that. But if, of those who finally wake up and say, you know, we need to do something, they immediately want to go to violence, to, you know, to, to guns. You know, we need to hang the, peop- the, the people. Um, mm-hmm. Our founders went to extraordinary lengths, as I've mentioned before, before they got to the point where they mm-hmm. said, look, we can't work. You know, we've tried. We've sent delegations. We've done all these things. They, you know, they, they, they tried very, very hard to work things out um, peaceably. They saw England as their, as their cousins. They, I mean, they, they, they wanted to be. Oh, they probably they, were. They wanted to be, <laughs> I'm sure they had family back there. So, yeah, that, actually yeah. Makes, that makes a lot of sense. They, yeah. wanted, they wanted to be, to be Englishmen. But they wanted, but they expected that. In, first of all, they felt like they were being treated as second class, which under the Uniparty, of course, we are being treated as the you know the peasants. And mm-hmm. secondly, they <clears throat> expected better of being an Englishman than what was happening. So they finally got around to do it. They didn't rashly just rush and grab their flintlock. But on the other hand, I feel like an awful lot of people really don't know how to win elections. Um, so you have Jason Bell, uh, Jason um, Jerome Bell, for example, where mm-hmm. the Republican Party has to push, um, you know, a, a, a completely, you know, just like a shadow of a person as, um, you know, to uh, to oppose him because she will, you know, play along and won't rock the boat. In fact, since she was elected to that congressional seat, have you ever heard of anything? She's, I mean, has she ever? I don't been? even know who she is. Okay. That's not yeah. good. If we don't yeah. you know, if because the whole Republic, the whole Republican Party established and in Virginia it's very bad because they work in Washington and and they're you know, there's some of the worst rhinos in the country are are the Virginia Republican Party. And um mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the point is is that we really don't know how to win at the ballot box. So everybody wants to run to the ballot, to the bullet box, because we really have not learned how to defeat these people in elect. We we, we said, well, we've tried, and my well, answer is cheat. no, we haven't. Yeah, we have not let tried. Me, let me just hold it for a little bit because I want to open up the discussion to everybody. 
and uh, and talk about the state. No, it's great. No, it's it's it's, it's an amazing statement you're making. Um, but uh, I've got to, well, just to let you know, we a couple of folks have left. Jessica had to leave. Jessica Rivera, uh, she's complete. Also has left. We've got Jerome Bell, Wendy Arthur, Katie Caven, Brianna Cannon, and Jonathan Mosley. So this is our panel, and so I want to kind of open up, and I want to sit back and let you guys talk to each other. Uh, some we've got reporters here who have never talked to each other. Uh, we've got uh, a pretty incredible crew here, and so feel free to address each other, ask questions, talk about your different reports, talk about uh, looking into some of the bills that we uh, have here and uh, when Jerome runs for Congress next time and say hey guess what we got <laughs> you know so let's uh, take about four minutes and you meet yourselves if you want to make some noise uh, and then I'm just going to open it up to everybody and see what you all think of the state of our liberty or as I say the lack thereof and we'll be right back this is Greg Penglis so what is Action Radio it is a radio show with its own citizen legislature that's you the listener It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio.
All right, so the scheduled part of the show is over, and we've got a free-for-all. We've got two more hours, so whatever you guys want to do is fine with me. Uh, I just want to start with Jerome because he hasn't been on for a little bit. Uh, and just to continue the comments and anything you, want, you folks want to talk about, uh, again, ask each other questions. Uh, actually, it looks like Katie's left us too, so we've got Jerome, Wendy, Brianna, and Jonathan. Um, so feel free. Where, where, where do we stand? Where's our liberty? What's going on? Free-for-all. Go for you it. You know, I believe, <clears throat> yeah, um, I believe where we are right now, and thanks to Jonathan, too, um, you know, for those comments, because he's definitely right about the uh, puppet that was installed other than me. You know, when when you get $7 million spent on you by both parties and combined to keep you out, to, to get one of their um, puppets to, to get there, then, you know, there's probably a big issue with that and you know like you said you have haven't heard from her um you know she she's been like i told everybody she would be just a mccarthy puppet she's just a vote for whatever mccarthy wants to do and and so in in that aspect that's tyranny as well you know when i was running you know the democrats was uh, were running ads saying that uh if i won trump trump wins you know, so they were they were tying us that they were tying me and Trump at the hip in 2022 because they really anticipate Trump to be back in 2024, and so you know they couldn't allow that to happen. And you know, but right now I think we are on the precipice and we are in a fight for this country um, to keep communism out of the country. You know, on my show a couple of weeks ago, I read the uh, 45 communist um, elements that they read into the congressional record in 1963. And probably half of those, <laughs> half of those have been completed already and they're working on the other half or, or even more than half. So you know, I believe we're definitely in a fight for this country, you know, not only from tyranny from our own, from our own government, but from the communist element inside of our own um, government and, and the communism that's trying to take over this country. That's what, I believe that's where we are right now. Yeah. I'm getting a, a little feedback on one of your lines, so make sure that you're, if you've if got your computer on, uh, your phone's not picking it up. We're not getting a, a little crossover there. Um, anybody else? Just like I say, feel free to talk to each other, ask each other questions. I'm just going to kind of hang back here. Well, I'd like to weigh in on a couple things. Um Jonathan was saying that, you know, he doesn't believe that people have really tried to work things out. Well, the reason for that is because there is one party who refuses to work with anybody on anything. And then you have half of the other party who um, are in the other party's pocket. So nothing is going to be worked out in this because it's just going to continue. And a very wise man, uh, John Kilpatrick, once said, you deserve what you tolerate. I think it's time for us to quit tolerating crap. Yeah. It's time to quit tolerating that one party um, has the final say-so over everything just because they say so and the rest of us bow down. No, I'm sorry, but, you know, bite me. <laughs> That's not going to happen on my watch. And it's yeah. time for us to stand up and say, no, this is a tyrannical government. This is not what God instituted. It is not what God meant for us to happen. And we have dropped the ball as people, as, as a country, letting this happen because 
everybody's told, well, you're just one person. And Action Radio has constantly said, yeah, well, it starts with one person, just like that illustration that we talked about this morning. Well, just one person. So, I'm one person, you're one person, but all, you come together and that, you know, stuff happens. Right. Yeah. That's right. So when are we going to start uniting as the United States of America and say we're not going to tolerate evil and wickedness and tyranny anymore? When are we going to do that? Because now is the time. If we don't do it now, then we are doomed. Yeah, I agree. Um, Pianchio, I hope, calls in, made a comment. He says, God gave us liberties. Uh, this is on live chat for those. Uh, anybody that wants to type in live chat from, from around the world, just get a free account and, uh, and join us. He says, God gave us liberties. He worked through the hearts and minds of great men to put his gift into words. Clearly put, evil men have given us lies, deceit, confusion, and division. Evil men have given us tyranny, fear, hate, and shame. Evil men attack our family structure and attempt to steal from us our bright future and hope th- and that of our children. And of late, evil men have given us death in the form of runaway government and bureaucrats. And of late, COVID-19, God please bless America the beautiful. And that's from Pianchi. Pianchi, call in. We need you here. We've only got three of us now. We've got Jerome, Wendy, and Jonathan. I guess that barbecue just keeps calling. There they go. They leave us. Would you believe that first hour? That, that was basically we've just done the first hour. That's one of the most intense first hours I think we've ever had. Especially with, um, well, what did you think of uh, Xi Van Pleet calling us, you know, from D.C.? That's her first time on the show. She only learned about us a week ago. Uh, she grew up under Mao, uh, the, the Cultural Revolution in Mao's China, escaped from that. Now she's here in D.C. I didn't talk to her further. Let's see if she wants to be a, a lobbyist for us and, and you know, walk into Congress. <laughs> I think that would be great fun. I'll talk to her about that in a little bit. But, uh, you know, and then, of course, yeah, exactly. Well, she's in D.C. Uh, and Brianna had to leave us, too. But uh, have you guys had a chance to listen to Brianna before? She really is incredible. She's 16 years old. I think she has a very good oh, wow. future. No, she's incredible. She's incredible. Yeah. Um, I've heard her one time before, and I'm just astonished that she's only 16. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, 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 and the lady that uh, served under, under Mao, I mean, it takes people and immigrants like that to – really bring home to people that don't understand what we have here in this country and where we can slip into, you know, to put, you know, that perspective on they lived under and what they see happening here. You know, I think she needs a louder voice. People like her need a louder voice because they understand more than, you know, most Americans do, you know, what's slipping away from us. Well, I'm an immigrant. Uh, Josie's an immigrant. Uh, a lot of the folks on this show are immigrants simply because we do know what it's like. And even though I went, I grew up in Canada and Australia, you know, not what I call tyrannies, well, until recently, uh, they're still different. There's a different feeling in those countries. They are definitely a hierarchical, you know, uh, prime minister, monarchy, parliamentary system, and they're different. It's not quite the same thing. Jonathan, do you want to get in this? I'm hearing background. Well, why don't you... Uh... Well, I, let, let me just say that I'm still watching the TV here in D.C., and they're talking about the crowds, and, um, you know, there's nothing about the reason for the 4th of <laughs> July. But remember that the fight, you know, you don't, don't drive to take this metro when you come into town. And remember that I know fireworks. What, the fireworks? What, what's happening in D.C. today? Oh, yeah, they always have. I mean, traditionally, um, remember, remember January 6th at the at – the, um, the Capitol, where right. um, you were there. Summer, you were there. <clears throat> well, I was, I was there as a reporter. I didn't <clears throat> go into the building or anything like that. 
Right. Um, but but I um, yeah, my video is up there where it shows me walking all the way from the Supreme Court, and there's no barrier, there's no sign, there's nothing. Um, and um, but anyway, so they, you know, uh, during the summer there are um, the National Symphony Orchestra has concerts on the on the Capitol grounds where you know where they're trying to prosecute think people so anyway the, the Washington Mall is of course usually jammed with you know probably a million people July 4th January uh, you know New Year's something like that and I haven't normally come down here because it's so hard to get in and out but they'll have fireworks they'll have people partying um, you know uh, bring you know all being all over the Washington Mall which of course is a park area called the mall um, so anyway, so nobody, of course, is paying any attention to what July 4th is about. Um, I know that celebration, you know, fireworks have always been a sign of celebration, but they are in, in, in a very real sense reminiscent of, you know, artillery. You know, as you watch the, um, as you watch the uh, fireworks, um, remember that this was, you know, that, that we took our independence by force right. and uh, by force of arms. Um, and, um, <clears throat> and again, just, you know, we waited, you know, we, I don't, well, maybe I shouldn't say it cause I'm not sure, but mostly we wait, you know, it was when we were attacked that we fought back. <clears throat> but the other thing I'll just squeeze in here is that, you know, helping with these January 6 things. And again, forget about January 6 for a moment. Um, and just about the attitude of the government and the uniparty and everything like that is that, Throughout these prosecutions, references to 1776 are being used by, you know, the Biden Department of Justice and the FBI and, you know, the prosecutors as evidence of an insurrection. So when they hear, you know, when they have social media of people saying that they, they talked about 1776 or, you know, which is the 4th of July we're celebrating today, they they use that as evidence of a you know of an insurrection to overthrow the United States. Mm-hmm. And, and how would they feel that way? Because maybe because they become George the Third, maybe because they become a corrupt government that considers itself all powerful. Maybe the similarities are so great to Great Britain of of the 1770s that maybe they are identifying with them and feeling a little bit like, well, gee, maybe the peasants are revolting. You know, how dare they? And, so maybe that, and that's the probably how they is- feel. Yeah. If the government is telling us who they are, maybe we should listen to them. Yeah. Well, here's the fascinating thing we've never talked about, the fact that the, the tyrants always brag. They always brag about what they do. They always tell you what they're going to do because they're so pleased with themselves. There's some kind of arrogance and disconnect that they think either it doesn't matter or they're talking to their friends or they may, maybe they think that uh, you know, us, uh, us peons out here really want to be ruled by them. And so they'll tell you, you know, why are they broadcasting Agenda 2030? Why are they telling us about the, the whole climate change agenda? Why aren't they just doing it? But they tell us everything, 15-minute cities. All the tyrannies that they have planned for us are clearly outlined. COVID. Event 201. I didn't know what it was at the time. I didn't really hear about it until uh, after things started. But it's all there. They're, they're really happy to tell you how they're going to take your rights away. I mean, who knows? Who doesn't know that they want us to eat bugs, you know, and, uh, and not have any property and be happy? Everybody knows that. We know what they're going to do. We just have to stop them. That's all. Gentlemen? It's just Jerome and Jonathan. You, you, you two are it, right? Everybody else. No, I agree. Like I will, let, me, let me just say that the lady, Jerome? Uh, of course, Jerome Bell is, is an example of someone who has fought 
back in a, you know, in the political system who has put his name on the ballot, put his name out mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. Um, very loudly and, and, and things like that. But some, you know, some, someone was saying that was reacting to my comment about people who've, you know, whether we've, we've fought back. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, you know, I, I don't mean that there aren't people who have, who have done what they can do. As I've said before on this, on the show, what I mean is, is that, is that we have not, we have a large, large and growing movement of people who actually start, start to care for the first mm-hmm. time in my lifetime. And, but we have not learned the tools uh, it's like it's like sending a bunch of farmers out against the British redcoats, you know, without them learning how to, you know, how to how to prevail. And when it comes to well, elections, when it comes to fighting back, we have not, you know, we have people who have gone from total apathy, watching nothing but sports, and sports is fine, but I'm talking about an obsession, you know, and and who you know who just go about their lives, and then suddenly they wake up, and they can't fix it in five minutes. So they think, oh, well, it can't be fixed. Well, let me talk about that for a second, because this is a really important point. I want Jerome's insight on this as well. Um, We've created a system here that allows anybody to write a law, that allows that law to be distributed worldwide on the Internet, that allows anybody to copy the bill link or the links to our shows and send them anywhere at no cost. They've already got the computers. They've already got the Internet. Uh, There are no meetings at Action Radio. There are no protests at Action Radio. I mean, people are free to do it. We don't care, but, but we don't organize anything like that. So the sum total of involvement for 99% of people that even know about us is literally to copy links to bills and copy links to shows, share them with friends, uh, and the bills especially share them with media and government. It could not be simpler. And yet, this hasn't caught on. Now, I know there's massive censorship. I know there are problems. But it's like they just either they don't believe that it's that simple uh, there's some kind of disconnect or they don't want to, uh, to, they don't want their freedom, which is a really scary thought. Uh, you know, I've talked to many talk show hosts who have uh, had me on and I said, yeah, we'll get our audience coordinated. We'll, uh, we'll write, we'll help write bills. This is fun. I really like this. And then by the end of the hour, they're like, well, I got my ratings. I'm good. I'll just get my advertising money and go home. I said, well, you hypocrites, you, you totally rejected everything we talked about, which has happened with literally all of them, not a single uh, media person's gotten back to me and said, yeah, I want to report on this. I want to talk about this. I want to, uh, or a, a talk show host. Yeah, I'd like to coordinate my audience. There's a disconnect. I don't know how much simpler we could make it. Have we made it too simple? Maybe we should have meetings and rights. I don't know. But whatever it is, the bills are right there. The bills to people's freedom are right there. They are ready for committee hearing. They are ready for a vote. They are ready for action. All people have to do is copy the links to the bills and send them to media and government. Copy the links to the shows and send those everywhere. And that's it. Enough people do that, we got our liberty back. I mean, it's literally that simple. Is that well, too I mean, simple a concept and, and or what? Up, Go ahead. I don't want to cut off Jerome, who's actually put his name on the ballot and gone out there and let him do it. But, but, um, with our bills, by the way. But, but, see, with but our people, bills. Yeah. but at practically everything, I mean, there is a disconnect that people want to, you know, people want to just sit back and watch. And I fought with people. And like, I, I you know, I was going to try to help Jerome Bell more. And then I got sucked into defending January 6th people, and it was like just all-consuming. It was ridiculous, uh, the amount of work. Um, and I apologize. I wish I could yeah, have done more. Yeah, you're in the arena. But, um, you're, you're acting. You're, you're, you're taking part. You're fine. You're not just, well, you know, wishing. Right. So, so, you know, I get in these arguments with people, and, and everybody, everybody wants to, like, for example, someone, they're, they're, they, they, they think that, 
you know, attorneys are getting rich or something somehow helping. I mean, how do you get rich off of people who have no money? Um, the, um, yeah. you know, the giant, you know, most, most of these attorneys are like doing, you know, minimum wage at best, um, yeah. a, a, in addition to kinds of expenses and things. And they all want to argue. I mean, it seems to me they all want to argue about the futility of doing something so that they don't actually have to do anything. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it, it, there's this tremendous, there's this tremendous attitude of like, well, if I did, if I got off my couch, if I turned off my TV, it wouldn't work anyway. So, you know, where's the reruns of Laverne and Shirley? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, it's just, I don't get it. I, I don't, so I'm asking the question. What about, I mean, what, what, what reaction? Um, what I was say, what yeah, reaction did you all, get to uh, our legislation? Uh, just out of curiosity. Oh, I, I loved it. You know, that's why I ran with it. That's why I made it part of my campaign because yeah, but what was your reaction, what did, did people believe they could have vaccine product liability when we made it as simple as we did? Or did I mean, well, the problem is, is that, you know, I think there's a disconnect because, I, you know, people are brainwashed. You know, people are suffering badly from Stockholm Syndrome with our government, and they believe if it's not coming from our government or, or from our news sources or from Fox News or whatever they watch, Newsmax or whatever, if one of those guys aren't saying it and running with it, then mm-hmm. it's not valid. And so they don't believe in it, you know. And so, okay. you know, it was just like, you know, it was just like when I first ran in 2020, when I ran on the immigration moratorium and when I ran on, you know, things of that nature, you know, it didn't really catch on because not enough people really, really, I guess, wanted to run with it because it wasn't a popular thing. It wasn't, you know, Steve Bannon wasn't saying, you know, I was saying all of these things, you know, in 2020 well, that you're a racist, talked about now, you know, <laughs> moratorium. Um, you know, all these shows. <laughs> You know, so I mean, I was yeah, just yeah, I was a racist, I was a bigot, you know, and everything <laughs> like that. You know, so <laughs> I mean, and then I got censored from it, you know, and that's why right. you know Jonathan helped me out. You know, Jonathan was one of the only attorneys that helped me out. You know, we filed a lawsuit against Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. for uh, the censorship that they were, you know, doing to me. You know, the the election tampering that they did, the ele- election mm-hmm. tampering that Twitter did. We never got around to you know handling Twitter because J six happened. You know. But I appreciate right. Jonathan a lot because he was because he he truly was the only one, you know, that put his name out there with me, you know, to do that. And um, you know, Facebook is powerful. You know, they got the jurisdiction changed to California, and none of these California, um, none of these California attorneys would touch Silicon Valley guy. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I even contacted Harmeet Dillon, and she didn't even want to do it. You know, but um, I mean, but oh, yeah, I think there's sometime. a total disconnect. <laughs> Has she been on your Harmeet show? Dillon? Yeah. No, I, I, no, she won't come on my show. She'll have to answer too many hard questions about, you know, why she's helping out Kevin McCarthy right now and, and you know, why she's, you know, dealing with a bunch of the donors, you know, out there trying to destroy President Trump at the moment. So she don't want to come on my show. You know, my show gets, you know, I ask hard-hitting questions. I've been on, on your show. show. So, you know, yeah. I know. you got to come back, too. we got to have you back soon, matter of fact. Oh, you know, uh, you know. do this. Hey, I'm doing show. You do an eating show. It's actually easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny though. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, eight p.m. Right. Eastern, man. We just kick back. <laughs> okay, yeah, and, and plug your show as much as you want. You know, you're my guest, so feel free. Uh, that's not a problem here. Uh, so we're a team. We're not competitors. Um, oh, but absolutely. specifically, which bills did you? I got Pianca on. I'll bring him on in just a second. Which which bills uh, were the ones that you were able to to get up there the most? And, and just I'm just curious the reaction from anybody, either the Republican Party itself 
army Dylan, just people you talk to, you know, when you're out there shaking hands, kissing babies and whatever else you have to do to run for office. I can never do it. I can never run for office. I just, ugh, no, <laughs> I don't even like I, I, mean, I was, but I was, what were they I was able you? to get those three. Yeah. I was able to get those three up, you know, and I talked to people like, you know, Bob Good and I talked to, you know, just people in general and they, and they liked them in general, you know, but, as far, you know, when we're talking about them, they liked them in general, you know, yeah. but, uh, you know, as far as people, people in general, they like the idea, they like the concept. You know, but like I said, people just don't believe that citizens, you know, the peons down here, you know, the peasants can actually, you know, take legislation or push legislation up through our, our legislators because, you know, they don't think anything is going to happen. You know, and that's and, yeah, and, no, and that's a bad thing about it. You know, yeah, they, I'm afraid they you're right. Trust, they don't trust that the, you know, they don't trust our representatives. You know, that they would do anything and. Our representatives are making it true that they won't do anything for us because they don't really represent us, you know, and that's the deal. You know, they the, they don't really represent us at all. So, you know, it, it you know it's tough for the people to 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 go, you know, with something that they believe that they think is, is going to fail, but they don't they won't even try to put it out there to make to see if we can push it through. You know, because people are are. Um, and I think Jonathan, uh, you know, hit on it. If if it doesn't happen in five minutes, then okay, it's no good, you know. So. No, I'm afraid you're right that um, because it is so simple, and I made it simple on purpose. You know, and our vaccine bill is even simpler since I took out the part about removing the declaration of emergency because uh, Brandon actually did that uh, already. So I don't need that part of the bill anymore. So these bills are still edited. They're still worked on. They're still current. Every time you click on a bill, because they're all electronic, there's no paper involved, everybody gets the latest uh, version of it. But uh, I wonder if it is too simple. That, uh, you know, uh, these people, we just need – Here's what we need, like Carlson or Rogan or somebody huge to have, have you know, probably me uh, on. Or we need some, some pretty amazing event to take place here. And i got a couple in the works, actually, um, that if we can get those and get, get before the public in a, in a large way. And I can, I can tell folks it is as simple. It, it's as simple. You know, this is the beauty of it. We don't need lawyers. We don't need, you know, 5,000 pages of, of uh, code, you know, improvement when I can do it in like three senses. Most of our bills are amazingly short. Anyway, Pianchi. Um, I mean, well, that's how the bills look. are supposed to work anyway. Go ahead, you know? John. No, I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, that's how the bills are supposed to work anyway, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, our legislatures, you know, they fill these bills with so much garbage and, yeah. and, you know, so much pork and just so much BS where, you know, you don't know if you are supposed to vote yes on the bill or no on the bill. You, you know, because if you vote yes on the bill, there's stuff in there you don't agree with, but you want this thing you know, they make it so convoluted, and, and they do that by design to just to make sure that they still get what they want, even mm-hmm. though they may give up, you know, a compromise or a concession, but they're still getting what they want because, you know, they pack the bills. And that's one thing that we really need to get away from, and that's one thing that the people need to f- try to force the legislature to do is, like, you know, it's one-item bills. It's just one-item bill. You know, mm-hmm. don't throw anything else in the bill, and that's the way it's supposed to be. But – like, and you know, again, it's been going on for so long, people actually believe that that's the way it's supposed to work or, <laughs> or um, you know, that's the way it's supposed to be. And, you know, and it's really not. And, you know, like I say, the people, because we don't teach civics anymore in school, people don't, you know, they don't even read the Constitution. They don't even, they, the people really, I believe, don't even understand how government is supposed to work anymore because it's been yeah. so convoluted and it's been, been, you know, taken out of the mainstream, you know, so much. I mean, we used to have cartoons that tell us, 
you know, you know how a bill is supposed to work. You know that little thing about, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just a bill sitting on Capitol Hill. You know, the schoolhouse <laughs> rock, right? You know that used to come out. You know, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. How, how things are supposed to work. You know, so I mean, I mean, people are just been so dumbfounded and and it's been so dumbed down. You know where you know, people don't even know how their own government is supposed to work. It's almost like they've been so far away from freedom, they've forgotten what freedom actually looks like, uh, which is another scary thought. Pianchi, welcome to the show. Well, good morning, Greg, and to you guess. Sorry for we got Jonathan and Jerome Bell. So uh, those, those, Jerome, there's just, there's just two of us left now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, having cold pizza for breakfast. That's good. <laughs> I'm partially no, blind but, myself. Uh, to, to Jerome, the dumb people that you have today was your kids that you never educated. That's where the problem has to go back to the root. You're not educating children on the founding of this country, the founding documents in particular, then go into the viewing and documentary on the wars and the men who fought them, those great generals, those soldiers, then they would end up being dumb and acting out like AOC when she made the remark that Congress needs to reel in the Supreme Court. Where did she get that thinking from? And worse off, the people that voted for her. What does that say about them? Trump, something tells me you did educate kids. I'm just guessing. Trump was an Navy I mean, no, my retired. kids are very educated on, on <laughs> yeah, everything. You know, my kids yeah. are, you know, I don't know about other, I don't know about other people's kids, but my kids are definitely educated on, on, you know, on the way the government works and they understand the, the declaration and, and they know what's in the constitution, you know, because I, I instill that in, into them, you know, mm-hmm. as, you know, for young, as a young age, you know, my, you know, I have some very, very intelligent kids. My, um, my my oldest is a valedictorian, was a valedictorian. Now he's a medical doctor, but he still preaches med- medical freedom. He still bucks the system. You know, like I taught him to do very well. You know, so my kids are are very knowledgeable of, of of what we speak about. You know, that's why you know when I ran for Congress, they they were able to go out there and and campaign for me, and and you know and speak the things that I would uh, you know that I taught them about Constitution about being free. You know, with no reservations, no matter what their friends may have said, or no matter what what they may have been um, uh, challenged with, I guess you know from the public, you know whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I don't worry about my kids. I worry about uh, other people's kids, you know, because I see them as adults and I see how they act and I see how you know what they don't represent and I see how they speak. So now I worry about their kids, but but my kids are, are definitely not a worry. Trust me. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so, I wish we had more kids like Brianna. You know, uh, if we had more and, like, you know, Brianna Cannons, we'd be in a lot better shape. Anyway, go ahead, Pianchi. That's, that's an excellent response. You know, my kids are the same. But my kids get lonely because they're usually the only one amongst their peers. And the conversation goes to Stephen Smith and LeBron James rather than the actions that's going on that they see and are affected by and our government by its bureaucrats. So this is that is something that has to be mandatory, American history back in the schools, so we can create the liberty, the army of liberty like it's supposed to be. And that has to be reinstituted and reintroduced. 
it's going to take time. Nothing's going to happen overnight. Where we are today did not occur overnight. The destruction of the fabric of the United States has been going on for quite some time, if I can recollect. You've seen it when it was beginning and happening, but you didn't pay any attention to it. Now it's mostly recollections of what we saw. Yeah, I don't want freedom to be just a memory. Um, John, yeah. you want to get into this? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're, well, like I say, we're, we're a change agency here. We just have to have people. I, th- I think uh, Jerome you know, really said it, that people, they don't believe it's that simple. They don't see that uh, they can have that kind of power. And everybody, as Wendy says, you know, uh, people say, well, I'm just one person. Well, I got news for you. I'm just one person, too. So is Jerome. So is Pianchi. So is Jonathan. We're all just one person. But you have enough of us one person acting, and amazing things can happen. Anyway, Jonathan, I'm going to go. I agree. I believe what we need. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jerome. Yeah, I believe what we need need here in the United States, we need our own re-education camps. You know, like you say, we need to bring back, you know, civics in the school. We need to bring back, you know, reading the Constitution. We need to to bring all that back. So, you know, we need an American, uh, you know, re-education camps, you know, to to, to, to teach people what this country is really about. We already have disinformation camps known as the public schools. We have an indoctrination system, you know, that goes back to Prussia in the 1800s, you know, to create cogs in the wheel, to create obedient servants of government. You know, so why would we need re-education when, you know, what we really need to do is get rid of the government education and just have a normal education? Like like I say, Brianna is the the example. You know, uh, she, you know, part homeschool, part you know, regular school, part online school, a bunch of other things, but she's got really good parents. And she went to uh, Patriot Academy, which teaches all kinds of kids across the country, you know, what the meaning of, of this country is. I'm hoping to turn them all into lobbyists when they graduate. Still working on that. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a certain percentage of the kids out there that really know what's going on. The problem is there aren't enough of them. We have to take people coming out of government schools and turn them back into Americans from the communists they graduate as. That's the problem. Or one of them. Anybody? Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, well, you know, I ran, I ran on abolishing the uh, the um, federal, you know, education system. So, you know, the government, uh, the Department of Education. So I ran on that. So, you know, I'm all mm-hmm. uh, uh, a proponent of doing that. You know, getting rid of the government schools and and teaching these kids what they definitely need to teach. Like, say, history, American history, right? And you know, back about America. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, what we do have, and like I touched on it before, we're in a battle, you know, against communism because communists have, and we have communists sitting right, you know, in our in our justice system, in our Congress, both the House and the Senate, up, as far as the president. It used, as to be as far as it used to be a bad thing to have communists everywhere. Well, let me ask you, um, actually, i got a couple questions for you. When you ran for, uh, for office, and it was one of the Virginia districts, you can tell me which one, uh, and the Republican you know, handlers came up to talk to you, how did they tell you um, what they wanted? How, did they, how subtle were they? How did, how did they try and you know, direct money to your campaign based on your obedience to, to the, you know, the, the GOP masters? How did they actually talk to you behind the scenes that you can reveal? Well, it was uh, District Two, and, and I'll be honest. From the onset, from twenty when I ran in twenty twenty for the first time, you know, nobody took me serious. Nobody, you know, thought that I would come out with twenty two percent of the vote in a first time run on a COVID year. So they never really approached me. They never really thought, you know, well, he's just a guy, you know. And then, um, and when I ran in twenty twenty two, they all knew my plan. You know, they all knew what I stood for. And I came out with the same plan. I came out with the same campaign. 
I'm America first, you know. Um, but here's my campaign pledges. I'm still running on on an immigration moratorium, and I'm running on uh, you know, uh, medical freedom. So, so they knew where I stood. So the only uh, real, I guess, approach that I received from someone is that he said, hey, man, we need to get you on Win Red, <laughs> right? You know, what does that's that mean? The thing, like, hey, red is communism. Hey. We need Win Red. Well, you know, <laughs> Win Red, you know, how, how they do, you know, the, with the money, that's where they – you know, shuffle the money. They shuffle the money, and you know, through Win Red, they they money launder the money to the candidates that they want and Win Red. You know, and then someone told me, hey, you told me if 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 you know if you would have supported McCarthy, you would have won in a landslide. So you know, it, it, you know, there's people out there that know that I was the best candidate, but since I didn't support, you know, who, who they wanted for speaker, I didn't support their agenda. You know, then all the money, all the you know, all the all the ads and everything was directed against me, Democrat and Republican. You know, and Republican ads. The Democrats ran all the ads, and the Republicans spent a lot of the money against me. You know, so you know they never Isn't really approached me from the from the when, back. When you say so that, I was ads, told. Go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're talking about you were the Republican. You're talking about they. Well, no, I guess that was the primary. So, but they, the Republicans, were. They're 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 packs too, right? Republican, you know, fake Republican packs, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like Kevin McCarthy's pack, the uh, Congressional Leadership Fund, that was taking you know money from um, Bankman Fried, Sam Bankman Fried, FTX funds. I mean, he dumped four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you know, uh, against me in, into my campaign for my opponent in one day, you know, because I was killing her on fundraising. She wasn't fundraising. And so when, once he dumped that money in there, you know, then others thought, okay, well, you know, just like the fish there, they oh, shit, well, you know, she, she must be the best candidate. And then all, all of his friends started to dump money. Yes, Steve Scalise, you had Elise Stefanik, you had all of the rhinos, you know, Tim Scott, you had all the rhinos started dumping money, you know, into her campaign. You know, in between her, and I actually out, out um, uh, my small dollar donations, you know, were much larger than her or Luria or the Democrat. You know, my small dollar donations was like $360,000. So, you know, I outraised them probably, you know, 20 to 1 on small dollar donations. But, you know, they had the lobbyist money. They had the big dollar donors, you know, and things like that, you know, where the money is to, you know, so, okay, so, you know, she's bought and paid for. You know, I get that. Um, so basically that's what happened, you know, um, I mean, and 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 then people just bought off on it. And then, of course, eight thousand Democrats came over and voted into my primary. You know, so it was a major operation there. But um, I mean, I had one. I had one person tell me this basically the same thing. You know, they're going to come and put their arm around your shoulder, and they're going to tell you, okay, well, we'll support you if you do this. You know, mm-hmm. I never really got that because I think I was so firm on where I stood. You know, because <laughs> I did it for. So to like I was so firm. It was like, okay, well, this guy, and I made it clear, I can't be bought, you know, <laughs> you know I can't be paid for. I'm, I'm not going to be anybody's prostitute or prostitute, you know. So, so they really never approached me. But what they did, they ran three horses, you know. They put in, you know, three other horses against against me in my primary to make sure, you know, that either I was going to lose some votes, I was going to get the votes stolen, that you know, one way or another, I wasn't going to beat their candidate, you know. So <laughs> that's what they. Did. 
I'm I'm laughing because it's not like anybody would have any doubt about what Jerome Bell stands for. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm not really sure what you know. Tell us what you really feel. Um, <laughs> you know, there's nobody who would be more outspoken than Jerome. So we should we should document this. Uh, we you know it'd be great to have a, a special on on the real GOP or who these people really are. Because I don't think uh, a lot of the, 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 the you know, regular Republican membership, they know what they, what's happening to Trump because they see it every day. But I, think, I don't think they realize that this is happening to every uh, candidate who, who sort of goes against the, uh, the elitist establishment privileged uh, party line. You know, the greatest danger in this country, I believe, is the Democrat Party. The second greatest danger is the Republican Party. And well, there's a reason I call the GOP the gelding old party. They are absolutely useless and worthless and in many ways dangerous. No, I, I, I agree. See, the thing is, is that this has mm-hmm. been going on for a long time. And as I'm sure either one of us could say, it's like every time they do this um, and, you know, for Mitch McConnell, it goes back like 15, 20 years against, oh, who was the guy in, you know, I forget the, shoot, the, the name running for Senate <clears throat> down south. Is that they always portray it as like, oh, I support all Republicans, just not this one. And then it's the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. So like when they're, when they're talking about Trump, you know, they're just, he's just the latest in a long line of, of um, troublemakers who, who these people, you know, attack. And so they, they claim like, Oh, you know, we need to, it's just, he has flaws. You know, all, all conservatives have flaws to these people. There, there's no one who isn't, flawed in their eyes unless they you know unless they're part of the swamp and they'll tell us you know that of course and and the virginia republican party is one of the worst um and um they'll say that you know they 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 say that well we need to pick better candidates but they don't know they but their candidates are terrible you know they say well we need you know you need to listen to us who our candidates should be and what are some of the biggest problems um, you're right on. Why is it that all our candidates come from the two parties? The, the, the choices for well, they they make the choice for us who we can vote for by deciding which candidates they'll put up. That's insane, Jonathan. Well, it's not just it's not just the two parties. Remember, as I say, there's there's two Republican parties, and there have been since the Civil War of nineteen you know starting with 1964, if not earlier. Okay. You know, there's the Swamp Party, the Rockefeller Republicans. And the conservatives. So when people say, well, the Republicans do this, and I say, well, which Republican? And so, you know, so it's the, it, it, it's, when we talk about the, you know, what's wrong with the Republicans, it's the, it's the swamp that, that people are actually thinking about. Um, but they, but they, the thing is, they have <laughs> no idea how to win an election. Mm. So they say, well, this, you know, Jerome couldn't win the general election. Well, you know, the people saying that, you know, don't have the foggiest idea of what it takes to win an election. They, they just believe all these, all these phony assumptions that, you know, that, that we need to appease, we need to appease the Democrats. It's like, you know, like really, so a Democrat is going to vote for a Republican if he's just talk. I mean, that's not going to happen. You know, you, you have to, you have, there, there's no, there's no Republican that the average Democrat is going to come over and vote for unless they're not, a, unless unless it's because the Republican is different from the Democrats. Yeah. You know, pl- playing pretend, you know, like be- mimicking the Republic, the Democrat 
is not going to motivate anybody to come over. And, and now this is July 4th and, and like, let me, you know, bring it in because in my view, um, again, that, you know, people are ready to go for guns and they've never really tried. They don't really know how to fight this, these battles. We do. So I think <laughs> we don't exactly how to fight. Yeah. Them. <laughs> and I'd be interested to hear from Jerome. How many, how many people, when he finally got people to come out and be interested in his candidacy, did, you know, what did he feel about their knowledge of how to run a campaign, how to, how to run or, or participate in a campaign? Because I, I think that we have to – we have a huge volunteer army that doesn't know which end of the rifle, you mm-hmm. know, the bullet comes out of politically. You know, yeah, that's true. Um there, there is a lot of naivety uh, or, you know, ignorance when it comes to really knowing how a campaign works and, you know, and, and, you know the machine that it has to be because it's definitely a, a machine. And, and for someone like, like myself who's a grassroots candidate who don't have the millions of dollars to go out and pay door knockers or to pay, you know, for tax or to, you know, put all this money up for ads and TV, you know, and, and and stuff like that. You know, it, it definitely has to take a ground army to get it done. And a lot of people, you know, just think that, um, okay, you're out there running and you put your name out there, but uh, you know, uh, okay, that's all it takes. You know, unfortunately, it take it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of volunteers. It takes you know some paid staff. You know, and people don't realize that. You know, they'll come out to the meet and greets, but they won't leave a donation. You know, you know, stuff like that. You know, okay, mm-hmm. you're my guy, and I'm going to vote for you. Okay, well, you know, unfortunately, you know, I love your vote. You won't vote, but, you know, I need to pay for a TV commercial. Can you help a brother out, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, they don't really understand, you know, the process. They don't understand, you know, getting on committees. They don't understand how we can actually take this country back, but they have to participate. And a lot of people – you know, they participate sometimes at the ballot box, but they need to par- participate in the whole process. And once, you know, people understand that they have to be part of the whole process, and, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, I think things get better, especially when when you're up against money, you know, when you have a candidate that's up against a, a lot of money because, you know, money buys TV, and, you know, they use that to brand their candidate and to, you know, uh, brainwash again, you know, the people to, you know, make them believe that this person is the best you know, candidate because, you know, because they're on TV, because they have this money, you know, and people still buy buy into that, you know. And, um, and I, I mean, what I saw in my campaign was that, you know, if I can say this on, on, on air, yes, um, people are, are – <clears throat> okay, Of course you can. People are yeah. weak. People are yeah. weak asses, you know. Mm-hmm. And here's what mm-hmm. I mean by that. Okay, in my – uh, campaign. It was myself. It was it was their candidate, and then there was another. Uh, there was another candidate that was running. You know, one. It was actually two more, but one. You know that that they put into the campaign to mimic to mimic my campaign to basically say everything I was saying, but it, but but being a nicer guy, right? You know, because I'm right. brash. You know, I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm a radical I'm a radical Republican. That's why I named myself. The radical Republicans, you know, I'm a, I'm a Thaddeus Stevens, I'm a Frederick Douglass type guy, right? You know, so I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm not going to sugarcoat shit, you know, for you just because, you know, you think, oh, my God, he said shit. 
you know, and, and you know, and it sort of hurts your ears. Well, I'm going to go with this guy because he, he, he doesn't curse or he doesn't say things the harsh way. I don't, I don't, I don't definitely don't like her. I really like you, but this guy is safer. You know, he's safer. And then, you know, you waste your vote and, and you know, and it is a wasted vote on that because no way in hell that that guy can beat me. So, you know, he can't beat her. So why would you go with that guy? Because he's a nicer me, you know? So that's what people are. People, People have to stop being candy asses, man. You know, people have to stop, you know, uh, uh, being, you know, thinking, uh, you know, things are nice. Do they think when China comes across this border that they're going to be nice, you know, to them? Or if Russia comes and attacks or whoever, you know, pe- people are, are weak, you know, and that's one of the main things. You know, they say, well, you know, we have to vote for the moderate because, you know, uh, if, if if we have a hardliner or if we have an extreme, you know, like they say, I can't I can't win because I'm not moderate enough. Okay, well That's if I tell me this, if I can't win, if I can't win because I'm not moderate enough, why is the majority the the uh, the majority patriot party or the majority uh, the patriot majority party spending three hundred and three thousand dollars on me, on me on ads? Because uh, they're not spending any money on her, they're not spending any money on you, you know. But I can't win. But they're spending all the money on me. Shouldn't that tell you a little something who they're worried <laughs> about, you know? Shouldn't yeah. that tell you that if, if they're spending, you know, just one one Democrat group, if if the Democrat Party of Virginia is spending, you know, hundred thousands of dollars for TV ads to tie me to Donald Trump for print ads and mailers. To tie me to Donald Trump, who do they fear? They fear two people, me <laughs> and Donald Trump. They don't fear anybody else, right? You know, because so you think they the know. Would be a good okay, thing. It, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, because they know if if the liberal wins, the Democrat wins, they're still good. She's the incumbent. If the moderate wins, okay, they still got a Democrat because a moderate Republican is nothing but a Democrat. We still got the puppet. She's going to vote the same way that we do anyway. So, okay, so it really doesn't matter, you know, who, who wins here as long as this guy don't win because if this guy wins, shit's going to change and we're going to have some issues. So we got to spend all our money on this guy, you know. So, oh, you know, that's the thing. If he, if he put in, like, you know, because, you know, they just don't make sense. Go ahead, Bianchi. It's a shame that you have to spend so much time and money on teaching people the nuts and bolts rather than, people hearing your issues and platform. And you never will be able to spend them when it comes down to glamour and glory and frills. You won't be able to do it. And it's not your fault. It's the mechanisms that's not in place that put in front of you an audience that knows what they should know rather than coming to you to learn. That there is a hard part that's down there insurmountable for people of conservative voices. It's always a teaching moment rather than an informational moment. I went to Trump rallies, and I listened to what his platform was, what he was proposing, and never have I heard a presidential candidate talk about school choice and vouchers, which when polled, the majority of the people that's in that dire state, that's what they want. I mean, it's just like that. Hmm. Let me, um, I want to change the subject a little bit because uh, the benefit of having Jerome here. Um, how long were you in the Navy? Was it 20 years, 30 years? How long did you serve? Uh, 27 years. Yeah. So 
in all that time, did you ever expect that what you were fighting against, you know, around the world with the Navy uh, would end up here in our own country, a coup d'etat, a stolen government, an act of treason that is amazingly well tolerated by both parties because nobody has seemed to stand up and actually do anything against it as compared to our, our founders. Most of the people who signed the Declaration of Independence died within a few months. They were killed, tortured, captured. Uh, they lost everything. Their houses burned out. Their family was killed or in prison. Uh, they sacrificed everything. But not a single person in Congress is willing to sacrifice anything to remove a coup, an illegal government, a traitorous government that is ordering, you know, soldiers around the world, that is, is, that is changing our energy policy, our, our, our foreign policy, our monetary policy, that is bringing us inflation and, and regulations that they can't do. <clears throat> I've, got a, I've got a list. I'm going to pull up a list of it in a minute. It's back in my screen. But did you ever think all the time you're, all the things you're fighting against would actually end back here in this country? And as a veteran that served this country so well, where does that put you and the other veterans now? Well, um, no, um, simple answer to, to that first question. I never thought that it would come back here um, because that's why I spent 27 years doing it. You know, and, and a bunch of my speeches on the campaign trail, you know, um, I, I said that I didn't serve 27 years or nearly three decades of my life just to turn this country over to a bunch of, of God-hating uh, communists, you know. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I still believe that, you know, and I tell people to this day, when I signed my oath in 1985, when I said my first oath in 1985, I, you know, I meant that and I live that t- t- today. And my oath never expires, even though I'm a veteran and, and I'm actually on the retired rolls now. Um, mm-hmm. It can't be recalled. But uh, if, if if there's a call to do oh, come on, then I'm definitely going to do it. Back you up. Know? So, I mean, <laughs> Back up the duffel bag. <laughs> <laughs> we still need you. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, and that's why I ran for Congress. You, um, mm-hmm. That that's one reason I ran for Congress because, you know, I wanted to continue to uh, live and and pledge my oath, you know, to this country, uh, you know, because the country has has given me so much. And touring and and I've been all over the world. I've been on every continent. I've been in every probably major city, major country, you know, include Moscow, you know, and, you know, Russia, 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 whatever, you know. And I mean, and you know what I find is that this is undoubtedly, undoubtedly the best country and the number one country in in the world. And you know, I, I don't I don't believe enough people. Uh, unfortunately, is just complacent of that fact. Um, and well, where? don't understand. Uh, that. Let's get specific. You know? <laughs> where is it the best country? Is it the best country in the rural areas? Is it the best country? You know, look at the cities. There's some pretty horrible cities out there. Uh, we've got uh, some pretty poor areas like Appalachia. I mean, where is it the best country in the world? It's certainly not I in the mean, Democrat-controlled well, cities. Where Where is it the best country I mean, in the world? You, where's the best part of America? I, I mean, even those cities, even those cities, if you want to compare, you know, those cities to some of the shitholes in Karachi, Pakistan, or some of the places okay. in Lima, Peru, uh, some of the places in, Moscow, in 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 Russia, okay, those those places are still the best places in the world comparatively. You know, I mean, you know, you want to go to Mogadishu, you want to go to Kenya, you want to go, you know, to I mean, just name a place down in Puerto Rico. I mean, you you, you Haiti. I mean, you know, I've been to all these places where you know our worst shitholes are their best shitholes. Okay, you know if okay. that makes sense. So we're no, so we're does. still the That's best country. Yeah. 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 So we're still the best country, you know, regardless, you know, um, of every other country, 
You know, and if people if people understood that and if people knew that, you know, I think they probably would hopefully I would say would act a little better, you know, in their cities would would um, you know, preserve their cities a little more. But you know, like you say, it's it, it's all about money. It's all about you know, the income for these Democrats, for the race baiters, for for the legislative prostitutes that, you know, just prostitute themselves to the government, to the lobbyists, and to these, you know, these world, you know, I guess you can say these W, you know, World Economic Forum, you know, and, uh, you know, elites, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, the you know, the globalists. You know, one of the worst things that we ever could have did was was go global our trade and, you know, with our manufacturing and things. That's the worst thing that this country ever could have did, you know, um, you know, because we, you know, let other countries, you know, become number one, you know, in different areas, you know, where we were always number one, you know, in these areas. And with President Trump, we had brought back a lot of that. We became the number one oil producer, you know, an energy producer, you know, the world. You know, we need to get back to that. We just need to you know, somehow you know, get the idiots in this country back to, you know, believing, you know, that we are number one and, you know, and to preserve what we have in this country, you know, before it's all lost. But, you know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, that there was a coup. You know, I was one of the first ones that came. I said, yeah, we, we, we underwent a coup November 8th mm-hmm. in 2020, right? It was the, basically the same coup that they did and uh, and yet, yet it was less violent that they did in Ukraine in 2014, led mm-hmm. by the same people. You know, we underwent a coup, and and people like me and Jonathan and, and others that recognize this and that voice this, you know, when we talk about trees and how these people need to be punishable by death, we get canceled. You know, we get canceled off Twitter. You know, I put up a tweet on Twitter um, in, in reference to uh, what happened in Maricopa County. You know, I said that um, – all those accountable, you know, need to be arrested, need to be tried, you know, need to be basically uh, fried for treason, you know, um, you know, once convicted, you know, in Newsweek and everybody else ran with that and got me banned from Twitter for a year and a half. And, you know, during, you know, during my race again, you know, and, uh, you know, election tampering again, you know, things like that. But, you know, when we come out and say that, we're the bad people, you know. Oh, they're talking about killing people. We're talking about, you know. Well, you just got to play the game, know, uh, that's all. Uh, you, you, you know, know the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, you know the game. I know the game. You know, and yeah, so, I, yeah, I recognize the game. And so, yeah. yeah. So that's why I don't, I don't talk about things. I, in fact, I had a doctor, one of our, world, our world's greatest doctors panel, brilliant man, uh, did amazing things to help people with COVID, you know, in spite of the government uh, trying to kill everybody. Um, but he talked openly talked about violence on the show. I said, you can't do that. You know, it doesn't help, you know, so the, so once you know what the media focuses in on, then you just don't be that person. So you can advocate, you know, uh, Nuremberg trials, and you can advocate, uh, you know, convictions, and let's get the full story out here, congressional hearings and legislation and the whole bit. But as soon as you mention, you know, the, the K word, you know, killing, uh, everybody goes apoplectic and they get crazy and they just use it against you. That's the, that's the problem. You can believe it. You can say it on this show, but in general, um, playing the game is uh, you can still get your message out. Yeah, you know, that method, anyway. I want to study them. Go ahead, Bianchi. That you method that they use to silence, we have to uh-huh. use that same method by keeping their books out of the libraries and from in front of our kids. But we well, don't a, do that. Here's a great oh, question. Okay. How, how come the high school librarians aren't being arrested for distributing pornography and the junior high librarians? That's what they're doing. Well, they should be. 
I mean, they should they're be, literally, but they're being protected. Yeah. You know, they're being protected by by these woke uh, attorney generals and these woke uh, uh, elected the officials in these cities and these towns. And and, where, where, and, where and sheriffs. sheriffs. You know, well, and the sheriffs. And, and, and that was one thing I was going to say. Mm-hmm. The sheriffs aren't doing their constitutional duty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Pianchi talk, and I talk about this all the time, that there is authority to, to fix everything we have here, but the people that should fix it aren't doing it. Jonathan and I talk about the courts that aren't acting the way they're supposed to, that they're mandated to. I spent three days on it, talking about all this, you know, especially last Thursday, talking about the ways the Supreme Court has completely abdicated their duty in some areas and, and usurped authority they don't have in others. You know, this has been an ongoing thing, although the court's done pretty well the last you know, week or so. There's still some major, major problems. And the county sheriffs, the same thing. They could take all kinds of jurisdictions that they don't take. They're the constitutional officers. Why aren't they acting that way? Or the states could reject many of the things that are going on with the federal government. Say, look, you don't have any right to legislate in this area or regulate in this area or enforce anything in this area. You know, Tenth Amendment, read it. If it ain't delegated to, do, to you, That's you right. can't do yeah. it. And that includes the FBI. We don't have a national police force in the Constitution. <laughs> The FBI is supposed to check in with the sheriff. The sheriff is the one who has the territorial jurisdiction. FBI, IRS is not supposed to come knocking on your door. Yeah, tell tell oh, us to wake up. check in with you the know, sheriff. Uh, where, where was the county sheriff at Waco? You know, how come we didn't call all the other county sheriffs? Or the state didn't provide? What happened to the Texas National Guard? How was Waco allowed to happen in a free country? Gentlemen? Well, you know, because it's all about funding. You, and, you know, once the uh, federal government start funding these state programs and start funding the state, you know, uh-huh. it, it all goes back to this money. You know, they're scared that they're going to get their funding taken away. They're scared that they're going to lose this money, you know, and so they don't do their jobs. I mean, it's the same thing with the churches, with the 5013Cs. I mean, same thing. You know, everybody's yeah. scared that they're going to lose money and lose funding if they don't, you know, perform, you know, how they're supposed to perform, you know, in, in accordance with their duties. You know, I, and these sheriffs, and, and, you know, that's one of the things. I'm like, this, this illegal immigration stuff, you know, that's mm-hmm. going on, this invasion that's going on in our country, should mm-hmm. be stopped by the sheriffs. The sheriffs of these counties, the sheriffs of these, you know, states should should be putting a stop to this. If, if the Border Patrol, because they're federal and they're not How? doing anything, and, 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 you know, these weak-ass governors, you know, hey, the sheriffs sheriff, sheriff have has the right uh-huh. and the duty to... Right deputize anyone they want. Okay. They can deputize their own army and, and, and defend and defend oh. the borders if they wanted to, you know. You know, I, 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 I probably know 50,000 veterans that? that would go to yeah. the border right now, and, you know, if they felt that they wouldn't get arrested. You know, if these sheriffs deputize 50,000 veterans to go protect the border, I guarantee you there's 50,000 veterans that would go down there and defend this border and in in this uh, um, invasion would stop. That actually makes a lot of sense, uh, and I've long felt that. And it was something you said earlier that I've heard from a lot of veterans, that once you take that oath to support and defend the Constitution, that isn't just the time you're in service. That's a lifetime commitment. I mean, I basically took the same oath myself, although not officially. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, so then we just need to coordinate the veterans. But you can't wait for the government to do it because the government has a vested interest in illegals. You know, everything from uh, supporting Social Security to uh, getting votes to, uh, you know, uh, the Republicans getting their Chamber of Commerce supporting industry with cheap labor to keep wages down for everybody else. There's a bunch of reasons why illegal aliens are here. There's, there are people make fortunes off it. There are vast interests in doing so. But we, the people, you know, could do it. Uh, but, again, everything all comes down to organization. You know, the Nazis were only 2% of Germany when they took over. But they were organized. You know, the federal government's not that big. But they're organized. 
you know, and they can they can bring about the military and, and the, the states, you know, still have a national guard. They could. I would I would advocate that any of the, uh, especially Florida, because we have a lot of our people up in the D.C. Gulag being held as political prisoners. If I were governor of the state of Florida, I would take the national guard to Washington D.C. and break that place open, and just oh, free absolutely. those people. How many? Uh, how many state Senate and how many state Senate and House districts are within the congressional district that you was running for? Uh, in, my, in my district, there's 11 um, congressional districts that, you know, that's in my, in my um, state. And uh, the state, uh, the legislature, there's 100 uh, delegates and 40 senators. So, you know, that's how that breaks down in, in Virginia and, you know, in center, of course. You know, no, in your congressional district. So how many yeah, state legislators and senators? How many state, state well, how house members and how many state senators? How many state senators and representatives within your congressional district yeah. that you was running for? I'm sorry, you say state legislators and senators? Yeah, you got to – your state legislators divided up in state districts. Yeah, 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 in my district, yeah. In my in my district in in in, in district two, there was uh shoot six six legis seven legislators and senators. Da, 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 da. It was like six and seven, six and seven. No, we now, I asked you the question. I asked you the question. Who do you have to answer to? This is where we get back to the idea that the states control the federal government. You have to answer to those people in those state representatives and Senate that make up your congressional district. They're the one that's going to vote for you. And you may mention about federal funds. Where do federal funds come from? Well, they come from the states in one form or the other. So if you don't want the federal government to use those carrots and wave in front of you, don't give it to them. Thank you well. preaching to the choir on that one. And, you know, <laughs> you know. I'm just waiting. You know, honestly, I hear silence. I get worried. You know, I honestly yeah. think you're preaching to the choir on that one. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I'm beholden to the people. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, those people are the ones that vote or not vote for me, you know, and vote for those state legislators. Now, if they put in the wrong state legislators, I can't do nothing about that. I have one vote, you know, for my state senator and my, and my legislator, you, you know, my delegate. You know, there's one in one. You know, in my little area where I, you know, where I live. Um, but um, you know, I'm, um, you know, if if the state legislators, you know, those are the ones, like you say, are the ones that's, you know, uh, take, is, you know, really taking the carrots and you know, things like that. And these other congressmen, you know, they take the carrots, you know, that's dangling in front of their faces. Because once we're congressmen, you know, and I've said this before, I, I not only represent my you know second district of virginia i represent the entire united states because i'm voting on laws i'm voting on legislation that affect the united states as a whole not just my district yes i represent my district and i'm beholden to my district and i'm supposed to uh vote the the values and principles of my district you know um first and foremost you know but i still am a representative of the entire united states government because my yes or no vote affects the entire country your, uh, your, All right, go ahead. Your, you represent those state voices. Those state voices got the power to call you back to the carpet and tell you, read you the riot act. 
it's their wishes, their wills, and their desires is what you and any other representative is supposed to be working for. Not voting your heart-given conviction, but what do these people want? And I'm saying it once again. The federal government gets its powers from the state, as you just demonstrated. You represent those state districts at a House and Senate level, and they got the power to take you out of there. I mean, think about it. You know, Cori Bush in, in, Saint Louis, in, in Missouri, 1st Congressional District, she went around campaigning with a loud horn, and every other sentence out of her mouth was about white supremacy and racism. And they had beaten up to a fervor a group of people that basically came out and voted for her without any regard of what she stood for other than white supremacists and anti-racism. That's ridiculous. Well, I think anybody who's not white who uses the term white supremacy is a racist. I mean, well, you know, as far as... <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that you out know, I mean, no, right, well, talking supremacy. about white supremacy. Uh, what is white supremacy? Does that make it a good definition? You know, I have for no it? clue because, you know, because what I say about white supremacy, and I tell, you know, black people all this all the time when I speak in front of, you know, black congregations at churches or or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, my thing is this: I think if you believe in white supremacy, then you also must believe in black inferiority. Yeah. Because you can't have one without the other. So, you know, do you believe that you are inferior to whites? Then I'll be like, no, no, no. Well, so how the hell you believe in white supremacy if you don't feel like that you're inferior? You can't. The only way that you can believe in white supremacy is that you feel inferior. So you can't have it both ways. So what would, how would, what would white supremacy look like? If we, were, if we had, I mean, the only white supremacist nation I know was Nazi Germany. Okay, the Aryan nation, the superiority of the white race, the, the blonde haired, blue eyed people that didn't look anything like Hitler, Himmler, you know, or any of the Goebbels or any of those people. Um, so what would white supremacy, if, if this were a white supremacist nation, what would the government policy be? I mean, I want to get I want to out these people because they use terms like this or white nationalism. I mean, Franklin Roosevelt was white and he was a nationalist. He carried us through most of World War Two until he died. You know, is that a problem? So what exactly? Let's get these terms out there. Because these things are used all the time. It's like you say the, the word, people are supposed to, um, I guess, have this, this inherent knowledge of what it really means, you know, but they don't actually say what it really means. And that way, you know, it's understood. It's kind of, oh, I know what white supremacist is. You know, he believes in the superiority of white people. You know, but what does that look like in terms of government policy? What, would a, you know, what, would, what do these people think would happen? Or do they think it is, you know, in a country with affirmative action where the white guy is like the last on the list to be hired, how can this be a white supremacist nation? Just out of curiosity. Uh, well, for me personally, I couldn't tell you because the Washington Post called me a white supremacist, so I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's hysterical. Really? Now, okay, oh, yeah, so now, yeah, 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 they printed it. How, yeah, how they did they did. explain <laughs> that? How did they explain that you're a white supremacist? This is fascinating. I mean, well, because I was a what they call a far-right extremist. And then, you know, once they actually saw who I was, I think they wrote the article and didn't know who I was because I was just so um, yes, so conservative. Yes, you know, for Congress right now. And so, and, and, uh, and so once I saw the article, I actually wrote back to, mm-hmm. to the author uh, of the article, and I was like, well, next time you mention that I'm a white supremacist, make sure you, 
you know, post my face with your article because they didn't have a picture. So then, right. you know, once they saw that, then I became the, the new face of the right-wing extremism because, you know, that's their, that's their code shift. You know, that's how oh, okay. they shifted. If, if, you're, if you're a black Republican, they, they know they really can't get away with calling you a white supremacist, so now mm-hmm. you're the, the face of right-wing extremism. You know, so I, I don't believe they even know what white supremacy is anymore because, you know, uh, to me, in, in, you know, in this country, there is no, you know, supreme, you know, race. You know, if you want to call it that, because, yeah. I mean, here I am, you know, a black man from the ghettos of Cleveland, Ohio, spent 27 years in the Navy, you know, mm-hmm. was able to run for Congress two terms, and where most of my constituents were white people. <laughs> you know, That's so interesting. I didn't I know that no either. Clue, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the, you should you should run next time as the blackest white supremacist or something like that. I mean, just just to, just to mess with people. Um, <laughs> what's interesting? What's interesting to me, and this is something that uh, Dr. Peter Pry explained. Uh, Dr. Peter Pry, one of my very close friends on the show. I never met him. Uh, he was on the show maybe three or four years. Uh, I believe he died of a COVID shot uh, six months after he got it. His cancer came roaring back. But uh, Peter was a brilliant man. Uh, I think his his origins go back to Russia uh, with his family. And what he explained to us is that white supremacy is not, it's not a color-based thing. You think it is. I mean, that's, that's the impression, and that's what people are supposed to understand. But it's really not. It's really an idea. That's how black people can be white supremacists, Larry Elder being the, probably the most obvious example. And what Peter explained was that it's not the supremacy of, of the color of, of people. It's the supremacy of the idea. And the, and the white people that they're talking about are basically the British. You know, when, when Jonathan was mentioning earlier that communism came from Austria and Germany, and that freedom really came from Britain, you know, going back to Magna Carta, going back to the original principles, the individual, the rights of the individual, you know, the rights come from God and not created by government. Therefore, they can't be taken away by government. All these things. That is what they mean by white supremacy, the supremacy of the idea that the individual is the paramount, that the individual has individual rights, that the, the individual rights are more powerful than the government. The government is subservient to the individual, and the government's job is to protect the rights of the individual, specifically from government. And so it's an idea. That's so when they call you a white supremacist, they're, they're calling you a white supremacist because of the, your stand on freedom. That you believe that your supreme yeah, belief is that. The individual. I'm sorry. I'm, let me. I'll just be a quick second here. But the supremacy is the supremacy of the idea that freedom is the supreme ideal. That individuality, that the individual, the rights of the individual are supreme over the group. That the individual is supreme over the government. That the jury is supreme over the judge who represents the government. That all these things, you know, that the supremacy of individuals and individual rights is what they're really fighting because they want group rights and communism and everybody under control of a hierarchical, tyrannical government. That was it. Pianki? Well, that's one layman's definition. My definition of white supremacy is when you look at certain industries and categories, within those industries, offshore oil well driven, driven, mm-hmm. drilling, mm-hmm. equity financing, leverage buyouts, boycotts mm-hmm. and sanctions, usually the faces behind those are white. And if you don't like it, you got to compete with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a structure steel erector. I erected a tall office building. Uh, right. co- my company, like the ones that fell down in 9-11, that was the faces behind the other companies was white. So mm-hmm. I've seen an opportunity where I could take away pieces of their pie to form my pie, and thus those pieces of their pie, the faces behind them was whites at that time. And basically it still are today. 
If there's something you see going on, especially when it comes down to economics, you don't like it, then you got to compete against it. That's something that this great nation gives you. You have to compete. Yeah. That's one thing I think the, 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 the us white guys learn early on is that if we're going to get anywhere, because we don't have affirmative action, we don't have college scholarships set aside, so we don't have preferential treatment, the media hates us, you know, plus being men, you know, where we have toxic masculinity and all these other things and being especially white Christian males. I mean, yeah, well, that, it doesn't get much worse than that, that we just have to work harder. And so no one says the first person to create action radio was a white Christian male. But I'll t- I guarantee you, the first uh, African-American woman or black woman that does this or, or Laotian lesbian construction worker who becomes an action radio host, they're going to get credit, but I'm not for creating it. I mean, it's this fascinating dichotomy that, uh, but I believe if you took the white guys out of the workforce, what do you think is going to happen? All the truck drivers and the guys that climb the poles and the, uh, the accountants and the lawyers and the engineers and the doctors and the bakers and the bricklayers, you take all the white guys out of this economy. Do you know what's going to happen to this country? I mean, who, who are the most, uh, the greatest group that invents? Well, for some reason, white guys are, are generally among the, the largest group of inventors. You look at the computer, the airplane, the automobile. White guys. So try functioning in this world without white guys. It's not going to happen. Uh, and so I find this, this whole concept quite fascinating. Gentlemen? Well, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, another grievous thing that I've heard of recent is when the court, the high court told Alabama it needs to create yeah let's, talk like about that. yeah, let's talk about that. That's fascinating. Now, that is the most ridiculous thing. And you're talking about mm-hmm. discrimination. That is the ultimate. See, courts are not supposed to make laws on the courts. They listen to the arguments between two or more parties and give an opinion. Actually, you don't have to obey that opinion. What can they do to you? Federal government don't have an enforcement arm. What are they going to bring? Storm, troop, storm, boot-licking, a boot wearing FBI agent to kick in your door. Well, uh, they way to helmet. You know, so it but does the happen. thing is, is that for them to say that is, and you know, this thing, blacks move from, and what they're doing is saying that all blacks are Democrats, but blacks move from districts. They move from areas and they go elsewhere because of a whole host of reasons better schools, better climate, better uh, property values, and and less crime, and so on and so on. But when time comes for you to draw up these redistricting lines, you got mm-hmm. one party that would throw a lasso way over there and recapture that black person and try to bring them back into their fold. That's totally ridiculous. And they should have been told that. Well, can, well here's a question for you. Can, can a white person run in those two black districts that the, that the Supreme Court's ordered Alabama to create? And what would that do to the whole argument? I mean, are they assuming that a black person is going to represent black people because all black people think alike, according to these people? I mean, that's what they think. I mean, that's part of this race. Well, look, I mean, look at Shelby ahead. County in uh, Tennessee. Uh-huh. They represent Memphis. Uh-huh. That's a, a vast majority black district. But look right. who the congressperson is. It's Cohen. Uh-huh. Cohen yeah. is white. He yeah. has been reelected several times over, uh, I can't think of the person that was Ford. Mm-hmm. Ford, the father then tried to make Ford the son. The people turned him down. <laughs> the Congressional Black Caucus has got a standing rule. No whites allowed. Why come that's not been known? Yeah. That there is about as racist you can get from a organization that's supposed to be anti-racist and anti-discriminatory. No whites alone. And guess what? 
they won't even allow a conservative like Tim Scott to join. And yeah. he is black well, as Wesley Snipes. And again, so, so white supremacy is an ideal. It's an idea. It's a political philosophy. It's not a skin color. That's where it gets really interesting. And that's where their argument falls apart. And no one's ever really challenged them on it. I will. Call my show, Corey Bush. I'd love to have a discussion. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I would like to have a discussion with Corey Bush myself. She wouldn't even respond to me. You know, so, um, you know, a lot of these, you know, Nina Turner, Corey Bush, you know, uh, the, the, the Sonny Halston on The View. You know, and I didn't, you know, I actually tried to get on The View. You know, they won't have uh, me on The View for some reason, but, you know, I think they're, you know, scared of me or something. But, you know, uh, but the thing <laughs> is, is that, I mean, you know, they still try to capture, you know, why they do this district is, is because, you know, they they know, unfortunately, that, you know, historically, black people are still going to vote Democrat no matter what, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a shame, you know, and, and, and I would hope that black people would buck that uh, system at some point, you know, in their lives. You know, they move away from those cities and those counties for a reason, because they're desolate, because they're impoverished, because they want to get away from the crime. You know, and so yeah. What if black people move out of the black districts? What if these two Alabama districts they're creating artificially? What if black people move out of the black districts and they become, you know, white districts, Asian districts, or who knows what district, or just a, you know, like a lot of America, you know, mixed with everybody? I mean, I mean, what they need to do? I mean, what they need to do if if those black districts that they make vote Republican, (laughs) and and they don't stay black districts, you know. You know, that's what needs to happen, you know, to make yeah. a statement. You know, just yeah. because we're black don't mean that we're Democrat any longer. So you can continue to try to group us. You can, t- can continue to try to, you know, bring us back to the plantation. But we're not yeah. going to, you know, uh, show that we're on the plantation with our vote. You know, and once that happens, they'll stop putting those districts together like that, you know, because because then they won't be able to control them. Okay, so yeah. now you just got, got one it. big black Republican district, and that's the worst thing that they want. That, that's the, <laughs> you know, that that that's right there hysterical. would be yeah. the, you know, the death of the of the Democrat parties if you, you know, create these false all black districts and all those black people vote Republican, you know. Trump should campaign. So, yeah, Jonathan, yeah, I want you know to do this. Really Hold on, really Jonathan, should. he's been. He's been quiet for a while. No, I, yeah, I, I think he's the only one that yes, campaign. I think he's the only one campaign there, and probably be you know uh, successful. You know, out of uh-huh. any out, out of any of the candidates, you know, yeah, that Trump, it, yeah. it would be him. Because here's yeah. the thing, and, mm-hmm. you know, Trump wasn't a quote unquote racist until he ran in 2015. Trump helped more black people, more black neighborhoods. He helped yeah. John King. He, he he helped Herschel Walker. I mean, he turned a lot of black people. Into Munich, he helped. You know, and even the black community, the rap songs. There's over over seventy rap songs that was about Trump, positive things about Trump. They wanted to be Trump because they wanted to, you know, have his stature. They wanted to be strong. They wanted to have his money. You know, so the black people loved Donald Trump in the neighborhood. I'm from the hood. I know they. <laughs> we loved Donald Trump. That's wild. You know, I love it. And, and, yeah. And, yeah, and and you know, so for. You know, and, and, and I don't think the majority, and I, the majority of the black people, you hear the talking heads, you know, because they control the media. So you hear these, these, uh, 
antagonizers, right? You hear these people, you know, but it's always the same ones, right? It's always the same ones that want to know Donald Trump's racist. The majority of black people don't feel Donald Trump is racist. Well, let's see what happens in 2024, and hopefully the election won't be still and the Republicans are smart enough or Trump's smart enough to make sure that doesn't happen. Let's get Jonathan. He's been quiet here a bit. Jonathan, what do you think well, about supremacy? I'm afraid, I'm afraid it will be still, <laughs> but the, but the yeah. thing is, is, and the Supreme Court just ruled um, – to to invite, you know, uh, I think to um, uh, ten days ago, whatever their ruling basically ended democratic, you know, uh, <clears throat> free elections in this country. Um, but which case um, was that? That was the reverse of our a friend of the court brief, where they said that the the legislator doesn't the legislature oh that's right does yeah. not have the exclusive power to decide. Um, yeah, let's talk about that because the Constitution says exactly well, we'll have the to do that another city. time. But the thing, okay. the bottom line is, is that is that that means that that you know what 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 they what they did means that first of all, it's unconstitutional what they did. It violates right. things. But but what they did was they said, you know, effectively said, is that one judge somewhere in a state, mm-hmm. in the most liberal part of the state, and any liberal election official can overrule the legislature Mm -hmm. um, and put in any rules they want. So, so therefore basically all, you know, there, there are no more free elections in this country, thanks to the Supreme court. And again, it's like, you know, they did a couple good things, but it's like, but it won't matter because we won't get, uh, we won't get uh, free elections and the Democrat Congress will just overrule everything that the Supreme court did that was good. Um, but, um, so anyway, but that's the thing, but the thing is like, I was going to, I was going to comment about, I forget that a bunch of things that you guys were, were talking about. Um, you do move fast. First, yeah, you got to jump right first in. Much to the sheriffs. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, my understanding is that contrary to the, contrary to the, um, the narrative, um, you know, like the Bundy Ranch um, uh, standoff is that the Bureau of Land Management and and the ATF and everything, they backed off because the constitutional sheriff showed up. And yeah, a lot of people with guns showed up, too. Huh? A lot of people with guns showed up, too. Yeah, but, but, a lot people but some of the people who – but some of the people with guns were – the local sheriffs. Oh, okay. And they said, they said, we're the sheriffs here. You're not get out of here. Yeah. Um, and you know, I didn't, that wasn't reported that I noticed at the time. I didn't know that. But yeah. They, they should, they yeah. should do that. But the other thing like about the, the, um, um, black majority district, mm-hmm. if, if they draw a, a gerrymandered congressional district to guarantee a second, black majority district that means they have to pull black voters from other districts in order to to you know to um bulk up one district that's with, what they do black voters huh they would throw a lasso a mile and, and lasso a black family and pull them back into that democratic dis- district Right. But the net effect is 
that the, all the other districts in the state will now be uh, more Republican. Because in order, in order to make a, a black majority district, they have to do that. And so, so now it shouldn't be that, you know, race should have nothing to do with party. But, um, but the, the voters that the Democrat Party is relying upon are, are now going to be in the black majority district. And the rest of the congressional districts in that state will have fewer of the reliable Democrat voters. And, you know, uh, black communities, yeah. black communities have these gatekeepers. One come to mind is the NAACP. The NAACP can issue travel warnings and advise blacks not to travel through states like Missouri and, of course, now through Florida. Well, what about Illinois and Chicago? Anytime that you have 4,875 blacks shot by other blacks, in a year's time from Memorial Day to Memorial Day, as reported by the Chicago Tribune, ABC7, and other newspaper, with 745 murders, no white police officer shot no one. And then it's number 4,000 the next year, 661 murders. This year, since Memorial Day... In May, you don't had close to 200 blacks shot by other blacks, and it had barely been over 30 days. Where is the travel warning for going into those areas? And why do we continue to listen to these idiots? Yeah. Well, here's the secret. Good question. You know what I tell you? Well, well here's the secret to that, right? And, 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 and I'm going to give you the answer. Most. And I say most, and when I say most, I mean a very, very high percentage of black people don't even listen to the NAACP. They don't even, probably don't even know that there was a travel warning because they're not connected with NAACP because most black people honestly know that the NAACP don't do anything for black people. Now, what you see are the same ones, and you, you, you know, the same agitators, the same people you know, that's working for the NAACP, that's getting paid to continue to race base, that continue to, you know, divide. You have the same people, which makes it seem like, because that's what you see on, on, you know, on the media, you know, and everything, to make, make it seem like that it's all black people or that it's a lot of black people, when it's really not. Because you can go down, you know, to Florida. Black, matter of fact, I just had clients of mine go down to Florida and vacation, vacation in Destin, Florida. They don't give a shit about what the NAACP says. They're not listening to the NAACP, you know. And like I said, overall, overall in this country, people honestly know that 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 you know there's there's no racism in this country. Most of black people know that. They understand that. But they're going to put the most ignorant ones on TV. They're going to you know promote the BLM marches, the Antifa. You know this is why they have to have Antifa. You know, pumping up BLM. This is why you have to have Antifa in the middle in these in these racist white liberal groups in the middle of BLM because guess what? There ain't enough black people out there marching and doing it because we don't believe in that stuff. We don't believe in that. If if black people really truly believe in Black Lives Matter organization, we wouldn't need any white people or any Antifa out there in the mix throwing the bricks and burning up the shit. That's who's doing it. You know, yeah, you'll yeah. see the media, you'll see some black folks out there doing it, yeah. But as a whole, as a majority, 
what do you see? You see mainly racist liberals out there stoking the flames and doing doing the stuff out there. You know, not black people. Yeah. Let me get Josie in the conversation. Josie Cassie has been hopefully listening for a while, but uh, we had about uh, 33 minutes left. Josie, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Happy 4th of July. I wanted to tell all you audience and all of you guys right now. Yeah, I've been listening to, but I'm busy and I'm about to head out to Pensacola, so it'll be a little loud in my car. But um, freedom, I've been enjoying the freedom in America for the last 51 years. And uh, they're trying to take it away. And we're not going to allow that. I'm not going to go through communists again. I refuse. So I tell a lot of people that I meet and I talk to how good they have it here. Some of the folks say, America? Nah, America is going down. I said, yeah, because you're added to uh, the way you enter, you know. You have to stand firm. You have to love this country. And right now all the schools are teaching our children to hate America. That's what China is doing with their, with their children, to hate their parents. It's just crazy. What what did you hear our, uh, over here? Our, did you hear our early caller? <clears throat> Excuse me, Josie. That uh, was from communist China. Grew up on. She was a child under under Mao Zedong and and grew up under the communist the uh, the Cultural Revolution. She was on earlier in our first hour, so you get a chance to go back you know, and listen. I put you guys on about eight o'clock when I got up. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was pretty incredible. Yeah. Last night. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, that's fine. But, uh, but we we're expanding. It, we have it so Is good it? in America, and American yeah. people don't really realize. That's why when I talk to a lot of people, I urge them, urge them to, to say, you need to kids on a mission trip. Go mm-hmm. to some of the countries. So when you come back home, you really would appreciate what you have here. And uh, even the poor people live very well in this country compared to other families in other countries that they don't have anything, you know. So this is one of the best countries in the world, and we're the only country in the world where we have freedom and uh, not like the other countries that the government is in control. But right now this is what we're facing. This corrupt government, they want to control us. And they want to do everything that it takes to make it communist, because I believe uh, this is the only country in the world left uh, that is not communist, that is not under control fully of the government. And uh, a lot of things will happen. And I know a lot of people don't believe, but when Donald Trump returns, he, vice president, will be JFK Jr. And we're getting more evidence and more evidence. Uh, It's crazy. Uh, so yeah, I disagree with you on that. RFK Jr. Maybe, but okay. JFK Jr. I don't think so. You want. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, but uh, so we are going to go through uh, darkness and tri- tribulations uh, for a short time, but the white hats are in control. Uh, so we we're going to go through a lot. So I urge American to prepare with plenty of water, food, meds. Uh, it looks like they've been saying in some of the videos that I've been watching, uh, 10 to 13 days maybe close. And the white hats are the ones that are going to shut everything down, though. Uh, so it's just, uh, it's just crazy what we're going to go through. Some of the people well, were talking about it in the event that I was in Miami also, uh, not on stage but off camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I was backstage with Gene Ho and a lot of a lot of famous people. So they know a lot. They cannot talk a lot right now, uh, but uh, it's 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 going to be a big revelation. This child trafficking movie coming out. They're putting a lot of negative uh, things about Mel Gibson, about uh, the actors in the movie. Uh, it, they're just making up a lot of stuff, Hollywood, because they don't want people to go see it. But I don't know if the American people are ready to handle this, and I think this is part of the plan, this movie, believe it or not, uh, because I don't think the American people can handle what Donald Trump and the intelligent military will release eventually about the the cabal, the child trafficking that is horrible, horrible. I have seen videos that I will not share with other people. Uh, So please, I urge uh, 4th of July today, the movie uh, Freedom, it opens today. And uh, there was a lot of previews before that people have seen, but, you know. Oh, we've all seen the previews. They've been everywhere. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, let me ask you you a question. The preview of the movie. Go ahead. Uh, and this is for everybody because we only we have less than half an hour left. Boy, it's been a quick show. Um, the state of our liberty. I have a, a chart that I put on every single show that actually graphs liberty. It's one of the slides. Uh, if you look back on a previous show, you'll see it. You know, on the bottom axis we have tyranny on the left, of course. Uh, we have anarchy on the right, and the vertical axis is freedom. And the highest point of freedom uh, overall is is liberty. And liberty is about three quarters of the way um, to the right, you've got anarchy on the on the extreme right, and you've got tyranny on the far left. So we're a lot. So liberty is a place that's much closer to anarchy, which is no government, than it is to tyranny, which is total government. So given that, if you could just imagine a line with with absolute tyranny on on the far left and absolute anarchy on the far right, where are we now in terms of our liberty? How far have we moved from, say, uh, I believe, like uh, the founders and this country it was basically set up to be, you know, three quarters of the way uh, towards anarchy. In other words, we have just enough law, just enough law to protect our, our lives, uh, our property and our individual rights. That's what government does. That doesn't take a lot of law. It doesn't take a lot of government. Um, but in the slide to tyranny, which is total government, where everything is absolutely controlled, that would be in the far left. So if you figure the centrists are in the middle. The Republicans and Democrats occupy a spot, you know, about three quarters of the way to the left towards tyranny. Where are we now? How much liberty do we actually have? If you had to graph it, put it on number on it, you know, one to ten, you know, uh, ten being uh, ultra left, uh, ultra left tyranny, one being complete anarchy. Where are we now in terms of our liberty, given the fact that we have an illegal government? The government was stolen. The government chose the government, and this is the, the United States that the government has chosen for us, because we certainly didn't do this. So what is it, where, are we, what are, where are we in terms of our liberty? I'm going to go through uh, Pianchi, Jerome, Jonathan, and Josie. Um, Pianchi, where do you think we are in terms of it's our liberty? It's thinking toward anarchy. I mean, take the court. That state judge, he needs to be removed. And then you got the, the, the Supreme Court with the Roberts Court, like with the Affordable Care Act. When the question before the court was whether or not it could come under the Commerce Clause, and he said no. Then he comes with the infamous, but it could be a tax. He was not supposed to do that. It's just like these bills. A single bill should stand alone, not include everything from the birth of Don to the holler of hallelujah. You just had another Supreme Court decision where the Justice Roberts done the same thing. He addressed the issue, then he comes up with these infamous butts. You know who's behind those infamous butts? It's that damn Obama. Okay. 
Jerome, what, where, where do you put us on our liberty scale with, uh, say, like 10 being absolute tyranny and, uh, and one being uh, absolute anarchy? Well, um, you know, I can say we're probably at about a nine. Okay. Um, you know, being, being towards That's the bad. tyranny. That's it, really well, bad. Well, it is bad. Yeah, yeah. And, no, I agree and, with you. You know, well, it is bad because when we can have um, prisoners of Washington sitting in the gulag mm-hmm. or, you know, not being charged or being charged with, with trespassing or, you know, our guys that was just, you know, people there, they were there to um, address their grievances as afforded to them by the Constitution. But we have a illegitimate, I say D.C. is an illegitimate police force holding these people hostage mm-hmm. and no one in our Congress, like I say, no National Guard, no one, um, no big security force or army force is going to save them. We underwent a coup like we've discussed before in 2020, and, and, and the country is still, I guess, not burning per se, and people actually believe that we still have liberties, but you pay property taxes, and if you don't pay your property taxes, you can have your property taken from you by the government. You know, I don't believe that we're anywhere close to being free to the to the right of that, you know, like the um, founding fathers intended, because government was founded upon to enforce three things, three rights, our life, our liberty, and the pursuit of property. That's the only reason for 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 um, law enforcement anyway. That's all it's supposed to be. If a law does not, um, if a law impedes on your life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, then it's an unjust law, again, by Frederick Bastiat. You know, people need to understand that. And so we have laws that impede on our, you know, inalienable rights every single day. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say we're we're at a nine and a half. Yeah, I got to read Frederick Brasiak because uh, Brianna mentioned him on the show. I, I ordered me off the air. Yeah, the essay, the law. Studying. It's the law. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll read it before the next. The uh... law essay. Okay, yeah. sounds good. Um, Jonathan, where do where do you put our liberty? Um, I, I think uh, I, I think um, I think basically we're we're Russian serfs because of our ignorance. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that our liberty has not been taken from us. We've abandoned it because we don't know any better. Um, so, um, you know, I, I'm pretty pessimistic that um, without a major education campaign, we can't we can even recover. Okay, I mean that's why I get rid of the government schools just for that one of those. That's one of the main reasons that we can actually educate uh, the kids. Jesse, where do you put our liberty? And you've seen communism, so you know what it's all about. It's a little noisy right now since I'm driving. Um, Jonathan is correct. Um, well, so is Jerome and uh, Bianchi. Um, what's happening to this country? We have sold our liberty uh, to China, to Ukraine into other countries. Our children, uh, they don't believe in liberty anymore. Our freedom, they're, uh, they're with this uh, corruption corporation that we live under. And uh, our freedom is not all the way gone. But if we don't do something about it, it will be gone. Because that's how, 
that's how it started when I was a young girl. They started brainwashing uh, young kids, and that's where you start with kids. And they be, before you know it, they're going to become 15, 16, 18, and, uh, and they can take some action with a weapon in their hands. Uh, our liberty is being sold by the criminal uh, Democrats and some Republicans. And uh, all the uh, 100 million illegals coming into our country, it's going to be to be fighting us. That's the plan. That's the plan that they have. Uh, a lot of these people are being well taken care of right now. Some of the families are getting as much as $4,000 a month. Uh, and they're giving them expensive hotels in New York City and all that. So our liberty is being sold by our own people that we sweat to pay their paycheck. So in the numbers that you were saying, I don't know if we're in a nine, but at least I will say we're in a six at this point. But we're going to have to stand. We're going to have to fight. And, it, it, and, and like you said earlier, oh, but I'm only one person. One person makes a big difference, a mm-hmm. big difference. We're all one person. And you were correct, uh, Greg, when you said that. Yeah. So we yeah. have to fight for freedom, and we have to fight for this country because this country is worth fighting for. And that's what I wrote in George Magazine on my article. It is worth fighting Ooh. for. We should uh, we should go over that sometime. Um, does anybody notice the hypocrisy of celebrating our liberty and independence while we're under a tyrannical, unconstitutional, illegal government that was stolen from us? And the fact that nobody's pointing that out like we are pretty much every hour this this show. How do how we get that kind of hypocrisy? Anybody anybody wants to, to grab that? Every question? time you point it out, you got a news media which has the eyes and ears of the greater public. And they call you a a, a, a gook, a, a conspiracy. Oh, see, I, I've got a new term for uh, conspiracy theories. We we call them ongoing investigations. So that way they can't ask us about them. That's a joke. <laughs> Just want to know who's listening. Um, and Jonathan was right. He talked about the yeah. ignorance of the people. See, that's amazing. See, like the, the gentleman here, I forget his name, who ran for Congress. What's his name? Jerome Bell. I don't yes, think you Bell, Bell, by the way, I think yeah. I, I sent you money for your campaign. Oh, there but, you go. Uh, all the way out of all the way out of Louisiana and Missouri. But here's the thing: when you go before a crowd, and you have to spend probably sixty percent of your presentation educating people on the the basics, then mm-hmm. that leaves very little time to get down to the substance of why you're seeking your congressional position. And that is a big problem. Americans have become so dumbed down. And, and, I mean, we, you talk, they talk about the user issues of reparations. I want to talk about that later. But they use the issue of denying blacks their history, like DeSantis. Well, how in the heck is that? Your children in California, 75 to 80% of black males, in high school cannot read at level. So what are they going to read their history in, in Braille? And that's pretty See, that's much the design, same though. across the board. Yeah, that, that's like the definition of racism is to have substandard black uh, education. 
Um, I want to change things a little bit here because we've only got a few minutes left, and I want to go back to the whole theme of what July 4th uh, is all about. Um, I was going to do this right after the reading, and I just totally got carried away with our conversation. But the, the people that actually signed it, um, and I want to compare this to what's going on in Congress right now. So the people that signed the Declaration of Independence had horrible tragedies. Most of them lost their lives. They certainly lost their families, property, uh, and everything else like that. They sacrificed everything. And when you think about the people in Congress now, there's not a single person in Congress who has sacrificed anything to get rid of the coup. And so the difference between then and now couldn't be more obvious that we have a government that is completely illegal. They know it's illegal. They support the fact that it's illegal. They still say things like Biden administration when you know there is no Biden administration. Uh, and they get away with it. But they've sacrificed nothing to, to remove the, the coup and the tyranny. So let me just go over the people that wrote it. Uh, I got the signature, excuse me, the people that signed it. And so this is going to take a little bit, and then I got one thing to read, and then, I'll, uh, then we'll kind of open up to you, to you folks again. Georgia, signers were Button Gwinnett, Lyman Hall, George Walton, North Carolina, William Hooper, Joseph Hughes, John Penn, South Carolina, Edward Rutledge, Thomas Hayward Jr., Thomas Lynch Jr., Arthur Middleton, Maryland, Samuel Chase, William Paca, Thomas Stone, Charles Carroll. In Virginia, we had George Weiss. Richard Henry Lee, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Harrison, Thomas Nelson Jr., Francis Lightfoot Lee, Carter Braxton, Pennsylvania had Robert Morris, Benjamin Rush, Benjamin Franklin, John Morton, George Clymer, James Smith, George Taylor, James Wilson, George Ross, Delaware, Caesar Rodney, George Reed, Thomas McKean, New York, William Floyd, Philip Livingston, Francis Lewis, Lewis Morris, New Jersey, Richard Stockton, John Witherspoon, Francis Hopkinson, John Hart, Abraham Clark, New Hampshire, Josiah Bartlett, uh, William Whipple, Massachusetts, Samuel Adams, John Adams, Robert Treat Payne, Eldridge Jerry, John Hancock, Rhode Island, Stephen Hopkins, and William Ellery. Those are the folks who signed the Declaration of Independence. Let me tell you what happened to them. Let me get my article here. Let's get moved it. Here we go. State of the Nation uh, is, the, is the news source for this. And it says, Destiny of the Signers of the Declaration of Independence. It says, when the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence attached their signatures to that document, each knew they were committing treason against the British crown. If caught and captured, they risked death. And they knew death would not be swift. It would be by hanging to the point of unconsciousness, then being received, disemboweled, their body parts boiled in oil, and their ashes scattered into the wind. Our founding fathers valued freedom for themselves and their posterity to the extent that they found this fate worth the risk. The story below tells what happened to the men who signed the Declaration of Independence. We skip down a little bit here. And it says five signers were captured by the British and brutally tortured as traitors. Nine fought in a war for independence and died from wounds or from the hardships they suffered. Two lost their sons in the Continental Army. Another two had sons captured. At least a dozen of the 56 had their homes pillaged and burned. Uh, what kind of men were they? 25 were lawyers or jurists, 11 were merchants, 9 were farmers or large plantation owners, 1 was a teacher, 1 a musician, huh, that would be me back then, and 1 a printer. These were men of means and education, yet they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well that the penalty could be death if they were captured. In the face of the advancing British Army, the Continental Congress fled from Philadelphia to Baltimore on December 12, 1776. It was especially anxious time for John Hancock, the president, as his wife had just given birth to a baby girl. Uh, due to complications stringing from the trip to Baltimore, the child lived only a few months. 
We've got more stories here, but I'll, I'll save that for now. You can read the article. I post it on my Facebook page. But the point is, these people sacrificed everything. And we've lost that. You know, I mean, who's willing to sacrifice anything? We have, we have folks that are, are sacrificing, you know, serving our country. Um, but I, I question that there's more ways to serve your country. Um, no offense to Jerome Bell, but, the, but to serve, we need to fight for freedom in many levels, not just uh, military, but in, in civilian, you know, in the legislative world, in the political world. There's a huge battle going on right now. And yet, how, you know, those of us here sacrifice because we do this every day. But where's the sacrifice? Where's the spirit of sacrifice that we had back right. then that we've so totally lost now? Jonathan. Uh, read, the, read the ending of the Declaration of Independence. Do you have it up in front of you? Uh, I Which did. Which the publication here today. Okay, I can read it again. Yep, I've got it right here. So last paragraph, this is the one that Brianna read. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress, assembled, appearing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions due in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. And that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all the other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Well, that last part that I was thinking of, they declared it today, published mm-hmm. on this day in 1776, their firm reliance upon the protection of divine providence. And they did pledge everything. I mean, for, for an Englishman in particular, they had nothing else to pledge but their lives, their honor, and their fortunes. Mm-hmm. And what are they, people they, willing to pledge today? You know, I mean, I pledge my life to this. I think so of all of you. But we need more of us. <clears throat> I mean, other than their lives and their fortunes, honor mm-hmm. meant something to them. Mm-hmm. And, Let's talk about you know, that. they pledged it what is honor? You know, what, what does it mean to have personal integrity to stand for something? You know, and that's, I don't think that's taught. That's not passed on from parents to kids like it used to be. Uh, I mean, nowadays we have a world where everything can be computer verified, video done and things like that. So, so honor doesn't, has a different place, but it still is critical to your, to your soul, to your, your being a person to have honor. And I don't think a lot of people have much honor anymore. It's like, what can they get away with? Yeah, my a, Boy Scout pledge. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Yeah, it was my Boy Scout pledge. That's what it was. Learned very early in life what honor was. <coughs> and yeah. You say, it's not there anymore. Yeah. Well, what are they and, teaching like, Boy Scouts? Go ahead. <laughs> um, I don't know. But, um, but, but like you point out, how not only did they give the words, like the Republican Party, you know, has, you know, knows how to say the right words, but they don't mean it. Um, mm-hmm. These people pledged everything, and they, they did it. 
you know, that most of them lost their lives and their fortunes and their uh, and they freely standing. There was no obligation that nobody was putting a gun to their head to do it. In fact, the guns to their head were after they did it. Right. They didn't have to do this. I don't think people get that. Let me um, bring another one of my favorite quotes here from Teddy Roosevelt, talking about the man mm-hmm. in the arena. He said, it is not the critic who counts, nor the man who points how a strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while, while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And I would say everybody here uh, is in the arena. I mean, Action Radio is in the arena. In your own lives, you're in the arena. You're doing it. And although we said men, I know that Josie you know, is every bit the, the, uh, the fighter than anybody else's. And so you have to be in the arena. You have to be able to do something. And I get really sick and tired of, of Facebook especially, uh, where lots of people will, will like a great comment and say, well, what are you going to do about it? Well, I don't know. The problem. You know, this, this acceptance of tyranny. How many people correct someone when they say Biden administration? You know, occasionally I'll let it go if it's like a really important guest because I'm not stupid. But for the most part, you don't say Biden administration on my show. You don't say uh, President Biden. There is no President Biden. There's only an insurrectionist occupying the White House illegally. But that's how you resist tyranny. You mean tyranny. criminal Biden. Well, yeah, that works too. <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, unless you, unless you resist – yeah, thanks, Josie. But unless you resist every minute of every day, you, you, you're acquiescing. You're agreeing. You're accepting. The tyranny becomes tolerable. And uh, Jerome, when you mentioned the Stockholm Syndrome, you know, the, how people come to love their captors – Oh, please give me more communism. Take more rights away. Take more property. Take care of me. I'll, I'll be your, your loyal servant and love you for it. That's deranged. How do we get here? This isn't the country I heard about from overseas. <laughs> yeah. hey, I get here and I think, really? Hmm, an interesting place. You know, so go ahead, Jonathan. Uh, uh, what we should recognize. First of all, doing something, you know, we do have to learn. We have to. We have to know our craft. I mean, the Bible uh-huh. says he uh, teaches my thing, you know, my hands for war. And, uh-huh. you know, we can't be stupid. We can't just, like, walk into a trap. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, we have to know our craft and know our country and know what to do. But, <clears throat> you know, why is it that the, the system is going after these January 6th people with a vengeance? But uh-huh. the, the open insurrection against, you know, obstructing the... Uh, nomination of, of, Ju- of Justice Kavanaugh, you know, openly admitting that they were trying to prevent um, a, Supreme, a, a judge from being seated on the Supreme Court. You know, mm-hmm. where, it's not a question of what being alleged. They admitted it all over the place. You know, they, they got out within five hours on $50 bail, and then the cases yeah. were dropped. So basically they got a $50 fine. They attacked the White House. I mean, imagine for a minute, and I don't know if Jerome is still here, but and I, don't, I know we're out yeah, of time, but, yeah. but, but the, the, the countries around the world 
um, friendly and hostile, watching the, the White House under siege, mm-hmm. what would that do to military adventures? I mean, what, what if China had decided to take that moment to invade Taiwan? I'm surprised got, they haven't, the quite White frankly. I'm surprised they haven't invaded Taiwan already, unless Taiwan right. is pretty heavily armed. But I'm just curious. Well, this is why I, I wish Steve Van Fleet was still here. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I mean, partly, I mean, one can speculate that they, they're thinking, like, well, why do we need to, the way things are going? But, but I don't know. But the thing is, hmm. and, and then you have, you know, Washington, D.C. here, because remember, I used to live here then. January right. 2017, the, the, the riots against Trump being inaugurated. Um, they, don't, they don't care about law and order with any of those, much less, um, you know, the, 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 the civil war in our streets from uh, really 1999 to 2022. Um, mm-hmm. and, but, they're, but they're hysterical about January 6th. They're scared. You know, they, 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 the establishment is more scared of the American people rising up and doing their, you know, and, and taking their country back than the American people are aware that they are capable of doing it. Yes, like that ant movie. Remember the kids' movie with the ants and the grasshoppers? And the grasshoppers yeah. used to run the ants, and they're very, I had to watch it because I had a kid then, and my daughter was like, Eight, <laughs> whenever that movie came out. Anyway, uh, and so, and the grasshopper, the lead grasshopper says, you know, um, here, catch one grain of food or whatever it was. And then he unleashes a whole bunch of them and says, if these ants ever realize that they can gang up on us, we're, we're history. You know, and said, and of course, one ant stood up and actually did that. Great for, for a cartoon, but we need to do the same thing. Now. That's why everybody should... Go ahead, Bianchi. We need to watch Athens, Mr. Smith Tennessee, Goes to Washington. 1946. Tell me about Athens. Yeah. Back when Americans yeah, were Americans. Yeah, Dale, you should watch on YouTube the documentary, uh-huh. Athens, Tennessee, 1946. Uh-huh. For anybody that doesn't know, that World War II soldiers came up and uh, brought guns to, uh, I'm not sure the exact, well, probably Pianchi can tell it better, but uh, there was election fraud, and local folks didn't stand for it. They actually fixed uh, the problem and, uh, and used guns to do it. You know, they brought guns to, to the Bundy situation. Guns are not a bad thing. We've got them. Why aren't we using them? You know, in places like the border. I mean, what if Texas said, we're going to impose our own border on you people? But yeah, that Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Have you shown that to your families lately? But you know, guns, uh-huh. guns are good in the right hands of people, but not in the hands of criminals. And these criminals in D.C., they want to control us with our guns. But they don't want to do nothing about the 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 people that have illegal guns, you know, uh, well, like in the they're, they're, uh, areas the where they're not supposed to have guns, you know. Yeah. They have guns, yeah. and the innocent people cannot defend themselves. That's what they want, and that's what well, communism is all about. Uh, like in Europe, people don't have guns. So in France, people don't have guns. Only the criminals have guns. So, you know, that's what they want here for every little shooting that they have created. All the shootings is created by the CIA, FBI, okay, in America. I wouldn't go that it's far. Been going I on disagree for a long with you on that. Yeah. Well, Some but of them. it's been going on for a long time. They create all these events so they can disarm us. And they've been trying and trying and trying and trying. But the American people are strong, and they need to continue standing strong for their freedom, for the Second Amendment rights, for the First Amendment. And, and, you know, it, we just have to stand. That's all we can do and pray because God is in control. 
But we are taking back our country, and uh, America is going to be like probably back in the 50s or 60s uh, with the with the lifestyle that we have back then. It's go it's coming back, and uh, mm. whatever says Donald Trump, he's going to do. He's going to do it, and he will do it. And uh, our country is going to be fully in charge uh, by Donald Trump and the military. Yes, and yeah, this is where I disagree. I Joseph, for those who don't know, Josie and I have an ongoing disagreement as to how this is going to work. I don't want a military dictatorship. I don't want, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep talking about it. Let me give you my vision real quickly here. Um, what I see happening uh, and why this election in 2024 is so critical, and each of you can do this. We can run a little over time, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of hold it down for today. But the way I see this, Trump has an incredible opportunity that is a once-in-a-lifetime for all of us that he's been in office, he knows what it's like, we know he won the second term, but he's had four years to plan, as, a, as opposed to uh, so many administrations when they run. The second term is generally not very good for presidents because they just kind of run into it, they lose heart, they're lame ducks, everybody knows it, and most of the good work is done the first 100 days of the first administration or the first, first term. So what I see happening now is that this is an opportunity for us, especially if we can break out of our censorship in a big way, and I'm working on some things to do that. But this is a way that, that citizen legislation yeah. can come to the forefront. Like never, hold, on, hold on, hold on just for a second. The citizen legislation can come to like, like never before. And we can do the things we've always wanted to do. And this is going to be critical for, for us to work with Trump. This is why I'm trying to connect with him directly. So this is the time to get rid of the Fed. This is the time to get out of the U.N., this is the time to uh, either return to a gold standard or some kind of stable monetary policy. This is the time to, to change the election laws so they actually work for us. This is the time to do all the really big things that we wanted to do, to, to get rid of the, the, uh, the income tax amendment to the Constitution, to get rid of the Federal Reserve Act, to get rid of uh, the, the, the 17th Amendment where the states uh, vote for senators by popular vote as opposed to have the state legislatures do it. This is the time to do it. And I see this as a very rare and very special and very necessary four-year window where we have to accomplish all the things we've talked about because we're not going to get this chance again. And ideally we need uh, at least a, I don't want to say Republican Congress, but we need a, we need a patriotic America first Congress work with this and clean out the government and get rid of some of these agencies and get a constitutional amendment that uh, bans Congress from borrowing money and pass our bill to disarm all the federal bureaucrats, all 287,000 of them, and give those guns and ammo back to the people in the civilian marksmanship program. We've got the plans. We've got the ideas. We've got the bills. And we can write more of them. We can write every bill, you know, I think, uh, with the people of this country who want to participate that can make us, you know, a free country again. And we've got four years to do it. You know, I'm gearing up for that right now. That's Louisiana, my vision. We wrote bills your, like that that would put God yeah, go God and we trust back in Dylan to give parents the fundamental rights of their children. We wrote our legislative passed bills that would prevent a foreign adversary from owning land in Louisiana. And they wrote one from uh, and passed the legislation to prevent uh, gender reassignment uh, surgeries and puberty blocking drugs to kids under 18. Guess what happened? The Democratic governor, Bill Edwards, vetoed every last one of them. Right. Yeah, and that's going to happen. And so I didn't say this was easy. I didn't say this was short term. But I'm saying that we have to gear up for a, a Trump presidential term, and the states have to replace their governors. You know, I mean, we need more governors to do this. But if certain states can show the way, uh, then the other states hopefully will follow. And the liberal states, they're kind of a lost cause anyway. So let me get your vision for 2024. Uh, I've given mine. 
Let's go Pianchi, Jerome, Jonathan, and Josie. We're, we're kind of in order here. Pianchi, let, let's get your vision. Where, where do you, well, what, what do you I, want to see happen? I, I'm, I'm thinking this. You got maybe one or two more last hurrahs. Then the states are going to draw lines around their borders and up going to rise out of those states, the people, quote, unquote, the militia, not the National Guard, and they're going to protect those borders. I think that's what it's going to end up to. I hope it don't. We can try these other methods, but uh, things look kind of dry and dim right now. Okay. Uh, Jerome, what's your vision? What do you see happening or want to happen? Uh, yeah. Hey, um, first of all, to Pianchi, hey, thanks for your support on my campaign, for the uh, <laughs> financial uh, support. I really appreciate that because it's much needed. And, and I can tell you, I definitely don't teach when I go out and speak. I just go speak. I normally have three minutes. And I don't have time to speak. You yeah, know, three but, hours uh, my today. My vision is this. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? My vision, to um, to be honest, if I'm if I'm foreseeing to 2024 and I'm paying attention to what's going on and what's happening, you know, I, I you know I agree with Jonathan um, that that the J6 was a psyop thing, and and the government is very very scared because I believe that they understood if that was three million armed people you know, then we'll be on our way, I think, to recovery. And, you know, they saw what happens when um, 3 million or a million or whatever it was, unarmed people are out there, that could happen. Um, but I, I honestly, if, if if we're speaking today, I don't think we're going to have elections in 2024. You know, I'm watching what's happening in Ukraine. They've already, you know, uh, you know the dictator over there has already, um, uh, you know, disavowed elections for, this election, I, I can for I can foresee that with, with what's going on, all the, all of the things that's going, you know, coming out against Biden and against Hunter and against the government. You know, I see what's going on with China. China is just waiting. You know, they haven't invaded Taiwan yet because, like you said, there's no reason to. Joe Biden is giving them everything. I think the closer that we get to 2024, the closer that we get to um, President Trump being the nomination, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I believe that we're going to see something happen. Uh, here in the United States with all the invasion that's going on. We don't know who's here. We know that there's enemies of America here. We know that there's uh, cells here. We know that there's dirty bombs that have come across the border through the tunnels. So we know all of this. Uh, well, maybe we don't know, but I know um, a lot of the things that has transpired here, you know, and what could, uh, uh, you know, take place. All, all they need to do is just make Well, we need to do a show on that. So, I'll, be, I'll be talking to you <laughs> because you just released a, a yeah. bomb shell literally. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm hoping I'm hoping that we do have elections. You know, so looking on the you know I guess on the positive side of that, you know, President Trump becomes the president again. He puts people around him completely that are America first soldiers yep. that that love America. You know, not these people. He needs to get rid of the Lindsey Graham's, the McCarthy's. He needs to stop. Um, uh, you know, endorsing these people and putting these people behind him. He needs to surround himself with total patriots that's going to, um, you know, do what we need to do in this country to um, uh, implement all of those changes that we need to to put in place to free the people of the United States again. So I'm, I'm hoping for that. Um, I don't believe it will happen, but, I, I, you know, I hope that, you know, if that takes place, then I hope to be a part of it you know, um, in, in, in the restoration of America and free this country from the communism and from the coup that took place. Yeah, makes sense to me. Jonathan? What? What's your vision? Okay. 
And then Josie. Well, uh, either either they steal the election in 2024, or President Trump will be um, <clears throat> will win the election. They will. They everything that has happened since then has made it easier for them to cheat and steal. And the only way they're not going to steal the election again is is if every conservative, you know, is looking over their shoulder. But but again, the courts are doing everything they can to. Uh, make it you know even if you catch them the courts aren't going to do anything so it all comes down to are they going to steal the 2024 election are we going to let them or you know trump will be will be the next president yeah we should talk about rfk sometime we'll save that for another show because i see those two teaming up as as the only non-deep state candidates uh, and I know that because the GOP hates Trump and the Democrats hate uh, Robert Francis Kennedy Jr. I don't like both of them uh, for different reasons, but uh, it should be interesting. Josie, what's your vision? And then we'll uh, we'll call it quits for today. Uh, my vision, my vision is uh, in order to have a 2024 election, we have to fix 2020 first, and mm-hmm. that's exactly what's going to happen. So if that doesn't get fixed, there will not be a 2024 election. Period. Uh, Donald Trump will come and reclaim his 2020 elections, and that's what we're hoping for first. Uh, the corruption will not exist anymore. Uh, I know they're going to try, but uh, President Trump is in full control with the White Hats and the intelligent military. That's all I have to say. And okay. God bless you guys. Not before. Yeah. God bless all of you. Now I'm going to play my announcements and commercials that I usually do incorporate during the show, but this one was too important, so I just wanted to save all that stuff for later. Um, any final comments by anybody? Uh, and uh, we'll uh, adjourn for today and, and reconvene soon with the irregular reports. And, of course, Jerome, you're welcome anytime. Going once, going twice? Okay. Yeah, Bill, come back. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Back. I appreciate you. Yeah, when I have time, your I'm always here. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> All right. And well, invite this... your children. And, and, you know, one other thing before you go, Greg, bring mm-hmm. your kids. See, that's one of the, the detriments that I view upon these gatherings. They're mm-hmm. a bunch of old people. Not that I have anything against them. I'm old myself. Bring your kids. Well, this is why I work so hard to get younger folks on the show. I mean, we have a few. Uh, we'll see if we can get Amber back and, and uh, Candace back. Uh, you know, they're fairly young. Um, but uh, our youngest person, you know, uh, is, is a teenager. <laughs> so we're actually working on that. But we need to get more of those folks on the show. So that's, that's one of my, uh, my goals is to get as many young people involved with Action Radio as we can. Okay. Take care, everybody. Um, that's it for, for our special uh, July 4th show. And, again, uh, replay the first hour especially. That was our reading. So, so share this everywhere, and let's, uh, let's get the word out. We have work to do. We have lots of work to do. I'm going to meet you all because you're making noise. <laughs> Someone's already making breakfast. <laughs> anyway, so I'll meet you. But uh, we're going to have to keep going. This is, this is not the end. This is the beginning, as they say, and we have tons of work to do. So uh, let me give the websites again so everybody knows where to find us. Uh, the website you're listening to right now is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Our legislative site is writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. My Substack is gregpenglis.substack.com. Our contribution site is givesendgo.com slash actionradio. And my public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. So I'm going to play a couple of musical selections today because it's fun. And I'll play some announcements. And then we'll be back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time, where we do it all again. (laughs) 
Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Greatcare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elba Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, 
a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.